This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. All right, boys and girls, for the next three hours, we've got plenty to get to. A little breaking news last night, a little late night tip off. Oh, by the way, I probably need to go ahead and text our guy and see if he's in the in the car on the way home from that game. I bet you would have done that by now. That's 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 my bad. You know, it's that's totally my bad. It was my, my fault. I was talking to you about stuff Things. that had nothing to do with the basketball game. I. In our pregame, in our in our pregame, I fell I fell asleep w- w- watching the Hawks game. I didn't even make it to the fourth quarter for that game. I don't have a clue what happened in Alabama until I woke up this morning. <laughs> Did you get to see it? I watched the first half. I really really wanted to stay up and watch. It was actually an entertaining game. I mean, I I think I got a better shooting percentage from behind the arc than Alabama does. But uh, Arizona can go now. Yeah, the uh, second half, and of course, look. They have the advantage. They're playing not at their home floor, but I guess where the Phoenix Suns play. And the crowd is solidly behind them. They're a fourth-rated team. We knew they were really good. They went on a 19-3 spurt in the second half. They had went to the free-throw line 27 times. Alabama went eight, but that's on Alabama. Alabama also committed 18 turnovers to go with 34% shooting. And as you mentioned, three-point shooting, eight for 40. Yeah, That's I mean, not going to get it done. It, Grant Nelson is like the epitome of the old saying, shoot to get hot, shoot to stay hot. Well, he could never get hot. Dude was like 3 of 15. And Alabama t- threw up like 16 threes in the first like 10 or 12 minutes of the game and couldn't hit any of them. You know, you did, did so it was, in fact, it was actually a small miracle that they were still in the game and winning at that point. But but Arizona couldn't score it early on. They had they also had a lot of misses too. That was a very close as you know, you were watching it. It was a very close first half. It was only a one point difference. It was in the second half that Arizona pulled away. So Alabama's now lost three in a row, but it considered they played three top ten teams. Yeah. They didn't play any of them on their home floor. They went to Canada, they went to Creighton. And they went to uh, Phoenix. So, you know, and again, this should make them a better team. And again, Alabama's still a work in progress. You know, you put the record aside at 6-5 and five now. And remember, these are a lot of newcomers on the team. Very few players back from last year. So I, I'm not getting too excited or, or, let's say, down on the team. Let's see what happens when they get into the SEC. But so, I can't imagine they're going to play three tougher games than they did in last week. So you're making the art potentially you could make the argument that they're the this might be a Nick. Oh, Williams I got, can't wait for the this. Guys, listen. Best. Alabama is the best six and five team in the country. You're gonna have to give me is some. That pretty good, Nick. It's possible. <laughs> good morning, sir. <laughs> You'd have to tell me some other teams that are six and five. I haven't really yeah. followed every oh, team that man. closely, but now, uh, I, it was it was really an entertaining game. Both teams got up and down the floor. And it's funny um, you say that because there were so many missed shots. Yeah. Usually you get you rag on teams that can't score and turnovers, and there were 32 turnovers in the game. But oh, I didn't say either team was good. I just said it was a good game. All right, that's so, fair enough. Yeah, but uh, so for those of you that uh, we want to hear from those of you that's. Uh, that was up. They were up because the game didn't even start on time. That's the other thing. I turned it on at ten, and there was like three or four minutes left in the game before. I'm like, I'm never gonna make it. Uh, 
But we, I, I kind of got into it and watched the first half, and then finally I just like, I got to talk to my guy Lee, so I got to go to bed. I think things will get a little easier on Saturday. They host Eastern Kentucky. That's not Kentucky, but Eastern Kentucky. So they'll get back on the winning track. But again, you know, hopefully uh, experience like this will pay off down the stretch. So I, I wouldn't get too down on Alabama just yet. Uh, we don't even have enough time to get into recruiting. And I can tell you the numbers. South Alabama, 17 they brought in, five local players. There are a lot of local players that signed. I, I'm going to try to get to some of the names, but it's a, like Troy brought in uh, a bunch. South Alabama brought in five. There are a lot of surprises to me with some like Butler, the, the Davidson running back who had committed to Coastal Carolina, Mark. He signed with Houston. Yeah. Uh, remember the uh, the quarterback at Baker who was going to Mississippi State? He winds up at Arkansas State. But uh, Alabama, they sent out a release. They had 23 on their list. The confusing one to me was Auburn. Their initial list was 24, yet reports had them signing 20. Some of the 24 were, I think, walk-ons, like a long snapper here and there. But then yesterday, last night, they signed an offensive tackle who they took away from Alabama and Florida. So that's another one. And then they got a receiver from Central of Phoenix City, but I think that was a preferred walk-on. So I'm not sure how many were actually scholarship or preferred walk-on. And the thing that's, you know, if you look at the Internet sites, they have winners and losers. Look, it's way too early for that because you still have another signing day. You still have some good players out there. Uh, you still have uh, the portal, although I don't think that counts in this. But obviously, if you you know look at some of the websites, Alabama's a winner. Now, one website had Georgia loser, and they're the top-rated class, and that's because they the quarterback went to Nebraska that they wanted Rayola. But still, they're ranked number one right now. Uh, Alabama was ranked two, and Auburn slipped in there at number eight. Florida took the biggest leap downward. They went from, what were they, like eight or seven, down to 16. Of all the players, and there were a bunch yesterday that were flipped, Florida lost the most as far as players flipping from their school and going elsewhere. Uh, I just got a text from the voice of the Crimson Tide, Chris Stewart. He said, about to be just landed. So I don't know. Uh, maybe we hear from the voice of the Crimson Tide in our first hour this morning, assuming he doesn't fall asleep between now and the time he gets in his car. Uh Actually, I thought it was interesting, Nick Saban in his press conference about everything that happened yesterday, I thought got a little ticked off and frustrated with all the questions about recruiting. At one point towards the end of his press conference, he's like, we're trying to get ready for a game. And he kind of went into this whole dissertation about the calendar and with the early signing period and how they're juggling a lot of things. And he didn't get one single – he started the day, the press conference, with comments about preparation for Michigan. Then got peppered with a bunch of National Signing Day questions, which is understandable. And finally, he just kind of – he didn't blow a gasket, but he was clearly frustrated by the line of questioning. Nick, how about the coaches that are playing games this week? And, and going through press conferences like Kane Womack uh, yesterday uh, speaking about his recruiting class. Come on now. You don't play till January 1st. You know why you were asked to be at the press conference. It was about recruiting. It's early signing day. So I don't get it from that standpoint. The other big story that really came down was on Michigan yesterday. The NCAA uh, released its 
let's say, let's I'm not going to say sanctions yet, but the violations that date back to COVID and impermissible recruiting visits by Michigan. And the head coach, Jim Harbaugh, was hit with a level one, which is the most serious. Now, he's already served three games, but that was put on him by the school. We don't know what the NCAA is going to do. The second was about four level two violations against the school itself. So even though this has been rumored, talked about, there have been releases on it, the official affidavit was sent to Michigan. This is what you're accused of. One level one on the coach. Now, that could also entail a show cause order. That could entail another suspension. And then, of course, the other issue on the outside, again, is Jim Harbaugh going to go NFL? Uh, I don't think he will. Remember, it wasn't that long ago that Michigan uh, has written up this contract, the, the or the extension. The stipulation was that he wouldn't, actively be pursuing or get involved with NFL talks. That was one of the stipulations. I don't know where they are in, 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 in terms of that contract. I don't think he signed it yet. I, um, I really think that's out there, and the rumors continue, and they will continue. This is like the third straight year uh, that uh, writers are speculating that he's going to leave. I don't know if a show cause. I don't think it does. I don't think that would affect him if he took an NFL job. Yeah. Uh, so we, uh, we'll keep an eye on that for sure. A uh, little news out of Alabama late last night. Um, apparently there's an Alabama offensive lineman that's, uh, very giving. Did you see the story break last night? Yes. Uh, so Elijah Pritchett has been arrested. I'm not sure I've ever seen, I'm sure we have a, a story of this nature when it involves a football player, at least not plastered in a headline. Uh, he was arrested for knowingly transmitting an STD. Um, I feel like I should ask Nick his opinion on this. I don't know why. I don't know why. I just feel well, like... Look, when, this isn't... When we're talking about transfers in college football, this isn't the type uh This isn't the wanting. type of transfer that you're talking about? Yeah, uh, stay out of that portal. <laughs> well, he, <laughs> to be uh, upfront on this, he actually did enter the portal, but then pulled his name back. Whoa! He's staying at uh, he is staying at Alabama. Last I heard, he had he had originally entered the portal, and now he pulled he's back with Alabama. Yeah, so uh, he was arrested, uh, was released on a five hundred dollars bond. This came out yesterday or late last night. Um, there's not a whole lot of information because I think of their ages and the uh, the nature of the arrest. Um, my guess is somebody will dig up some information on this, but uh, we'll keep an eye on things. It's a Class C misdemeanor, so he could face potentially face three months in jail or fines. Uh, I doubt it will. It's not. Is that is that really that bad? I would say for uh, specifically. I mean, don't we think that the girl got the worst end of the deal? Does the punishment fit the crime? Um, are you saying that's excessive jail time? I'm saying it might not be enough. Oh, okay, okay. I just wanted to be clear. Um, I guess you'd have to ask the girl, and I don't think. I guess it depends. Also, what. 
was contracted. Yeah, and how do you how do you I got a serious legal question though. How do you mm-hmm. know how do you prove that someone knowingly transmitted as opposed to unknowingly transferred? I mean, you could play dumb, right? Uh, I don't know. But apparently he didn't play dumb enough. Yeah. Because I don't know. Right? I mean, there has to be some type of recording message, something where the guy was like, "Hey, I have this that transpired before the event." But then, if if there was evidence of that, then she would have known prior too, right? Not necessarily. I can make a video on my phone and just announce, and then to the do world? something to you. Not that, but something, and then I would know. I'd have the evidence, and you'd have no idea. Right, and then you would also be featured on World's Dumbest Criminals the next yeah. week <laughs> on whatever station that comes on. All right, so we'll keep an eye on things TV. there. true TV. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure I, I should probably do a social media search. I'm sure there's some pretty clever responses to that story. Uh, but unfortunate, uh, maybe that's why, boy, could you imagine Nick waking up, not this Nick, Nick Saban waking up this morning and, and dealing with this the day after National Sign Day, prep, preparing for Michigan. And he gets this passed across his desk. I would not want to be the messenger on that one. Yeah, but at least he didn't have to undergo questioning about it yesterday. Yeah, when's the next time the media meets with uh Don't know. I could look it up. Uh, how do you but phrase I don't that question? It's very general, right? Uh, can you can you can you tell us the status of Elijah Pritchett? Yeah, that seems pretty good. Well, he's Positive. If that question was asked, let's say if that happened with the Patriots, all Bill Belichick would say, I'm looking to Kansas City. Yeah. I'm looking to Kansas City. We're going to handle that in-house, Nick will say. That'll, that'll be it. Yeah, it probably Is wouldn't it? get much of an answer. Yeah. I can only do what the doctors say. If they clear up, no. Nah. Six seventeen. Let's do a scoreboard traffic and weather. Uh, John Garcia set to join us at 6.30. Paul Feinbaum at 7 o'clock. Eli Gold at 7.30. Jim Nagy at 8 o'clock. Doug Kunkel on the Jags recruiting at 8.30. And we'll see if we can somehow catch up with Chris Stewart between now and, I don't know, Tom, his head hits the pillow. Uh, he's just getting back into Birmingham from Arizona. It is a Thursday edition of the opening kickoff. We're just getting started right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. former Major League Baseball player Bernie Carbo. I listen to WNSP 105.5. Love every minute of it. Obviously it didn't help that we didn't shoot it particularly well. I mean, they're, and we turned the ball too much. You know, I thought their physicality bothered us. They're tough, physical, hard-playing group. They turned us over, you know, after we built the lead there in the second half. But... They called the timeout. They came out. We turned it over. They got some buckets. You know, we, we lost our momentum there and never really gained it back. So we got to be a little bit more mentally tough when stuff's not going away. We're missing shots. We're turning it over. We got to get back, get some stops on defense. Six twenty-four. That's the uh, coach. That's Alabama coach Nate Oates last night uh, as the uh, Tide lost to. Arizona on the road. All right, the guy who called the play-by-play, who stayed up for the entire game, our good friend Chris Stewart, as promised, he said, "Amazing." If we had a chance to get him as they fly back in, Chris. Good morning. How are you today? I can imagine. I already know how you are. Uh, good morning, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I'm good. 
Um, uh, yeah, we we just flew back and we had been in Tuscaloosa for 30 minutes. So uh, literally just got the bags off the plane and got in the car and got it pointed towards Birmingham where I live or in, in uh, McCullough. So I'm I'm on my way home, but glad to talk to you guys. Just wish had a little better uh, news to discuss than, uh, than the outcome we had last night. Talk about the uh, let's, let's talk about well the arena was different you know that it, it was that really a factor both teams got off to very slow shooting starts and and that pretty well yeah. uh, was the case with Alabama the entire game and you know just give us your analysis of what you saw. No, I thought they uh, I thought they really liked the place they did pretty well in shoot around yesterday uh, they had practiced at Arizona State yesterday and then went to the. Uh, Footprint Center is the name of it. It's the old America West arena that's been completely redone. It's got a sponsor name on it. and uh, It was kind of cool. First time I've done a game there in 21 years. We were in the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 the last time that uh, I did a game there when Mark Godfrey led Alabama to that, the only Elite 8 in school history. And uh, It was cool to be back there. Unfortunately, we didn't shoot it great. Played great defense and rebounded well and protected the ball well the first half. But 11 second-half turnovers, the season-high 18 for the game, for the uh, entire game, um, could not get the stops they needed to and fouled too much, allowed uh, Arizona to get to the line way too often. The uh, free-throw numbers really flipped in the second half, and that was a credit to Arizona being able to to get to the rim and draw contact, and Alabama didn't defend as well, especially the last 10 minutes. They were down three uh, and then went on a 10-0 run to go up seven and looked like they had some things really going their way. And then from that point on, it it flipped, and it was all Arizona after that. Let me ask you this. The three games they lost to the top 10 teams at the time, Arizona, Purdue, Creighton, of those three, which ones were you most, what, which one was you most impressed with? You know, I didn't see the game with Purdue. Uh, I did make the trip to Toronto, and I spent that day with my family. So uh, I did not see that that game. I know it was a well-played. Mark Sears was all, was fantastic. Purdue's great, uh, when especially when Edie does not get in foul trouble. But Arizona's really talented and strong and tough. And I had seen them earlier at Duke. I you know, I uh, Purdue beat them in West Lafayette, but on a neutral floor, I would take my chances with Arizona. Chris, uh, you headed home for a nap, or are you going to start your day? Uh, I am going to go grab a biscuit somewhere and coffee at my house when I get there, and we'll probably get in the recliner. And make a decision from that point forward. Oh, you get in that recliner. I think the decision's been made for you, sir. I think it has, brother. Hey, man, good, we probably a good chance. We do appreciate you jumping aboard with us, man. It was a, it was a lot of fun to watch that game. Uh, although in the first half, I feel like maybe I could have gotten out there and jacked up some threes. I couldn't have done any worse. But you know, they they struggled from three, but still scored forty-one. And I know half, forty in the half. I guess uh, Arizona had forty-one, but you're right. It was. It was tough. Got a few to go in the second, but yeah. just not enough. And uh, that, if they had shot it, it may be – what did they finish the number-wise? You got it in front of you because I, I never saw the final stat sheet. 
but it was low. If if they shoot thirty percent, they probably win that ball game. Even though I, I know that's easy to say we lost by fifteen, but it's a, it's true. Yeah. So find a way to get better and keep defending and rebounding, and and uh, I still think there's some really really big things ahead for this team. Hey man, thank you so much for jumping aboard with us. Uh, safe travels home. Get get you a nap, and they shot twenty three and a half percent. So truer words were never spoken, yeah. man. Merry Christmas, man. Yeah. Thank you so Chris, much. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas to you, you and your family. I appreciate you both very much. Thanks, Thanks so, so much. much. Yep, for coming on. That's Chris Stewart, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Alabama 4 of 17 from three-point range. They put up 16 threes in the first 10 minutes of the game. It was crazy. It was anarchy. And then they were playing hack-a-shack at the end of the first half. Oh, by the way, uh, early signing day yesterday. We'll recap with John Garcia next, right here on the Sports Station WNSP. of social media you know emphasis on personal branding texting how do you find ways to stay as such an elite recruiter uh, i can't i don't know you're asking the wrong person i mean you know we try to be honest we try to be upfront. um we try to sell people on the fact that they can create value in their brand that we're going to make a great investment in them here personally academically and athletically and you know, there's a lot of guys that still buy into that. Um, I think name, image, and likeness uh, has, you know, maybe spread, you know, where guys go out um, because, you know, some guys are interested in how much money they can make. Um. Again, 632, Alabama coach Nick Saban on uh, his, uh, his haul yesterday on early signing day. Everybody thinks that he's going to retire soon. He doesn't. Uh, they, they felt that he was kind of wearing down. I don't think so. Now with the number two class right now, and who knows, you know, what could happen down the road. But John Garcia might from Rivals Recruiting Coordinator. John, good morning, and thank you for joining us. How are you today? Uh, I'm good. A All little right. bit relieved that uh, I'm not typing as much this morning. Not How about bad. You guys? All right, let's go right to the <laughs> nitty-gritty. First of all, you're, you're, since we heard from Nick Saban, your reaction to the Alabama recruiting class. Yeah, really strong day for the Crimson Tide. Really, the, the last few weeks uh, have, have really been strong. Um, Alabama was closer to the number 10 class uh, before that Ryan Williams reclassification. So you get a, a nice five-star bump there. And then obviously you close really well with, with several targets on national signing day. You flip local running back uh, Kevin Riley from Miami. You flip wide receiver Bubba Hampton from the Texas Longhorns. Uh, and you, you maintain some of your commitments that were maybe looking around. Uh, so not, not as good a day as it could have possibly been. There were rumors about Edric Houston and a couple other players that Alabama was looking to grab at the last minute. But not all of it went down positively for Bama. But obviously flipping multiple blue chip recruits and, and holding on to your own is, is a good way to finish any cycle. Were they far behind Georgia, that far behind? Because Georgia didn't get the quarterback who went to Nebraska. Or was that a really close uh, between the two? Yeah, it, it really was. I mean, Georgia lost Rayola a couple days before signing day and actually slipped to number two briefly. And then Ohio State lost the recruit to Miami, so they bumped back up to number one there. Um, but Georgia actually flipped the number one safety in the country uh, yesterday in, in K.J. Bolden. So that's really what put Georgia over the top and kind of locked in that number one group. 
How about Auburn? Your take on the Auburn class, which, according to the consensus, was number eight in the nation. Yeah, a, a really strong finish for the Tigers, kind of like Alabama, where you, you, you flip some prospects, you, you grab some new ones, but maybe not all of what we expected in one motion, if that makes sense. They did get a late-night pickup in favor. Edwin, big offensive lineman uh, from McDonough, Georgia, who's, who's new to football but has progressed in a very short amount of time. Um, and then they flipped a couple you know, big-time recruits, Amaris Williams from the Florida Gators, uh, with maybe the headlining uh, grab for Auburn uh, yesterday. Um, and, and they were able to hold on to, to some of their own as well, just like Alabama. So good, not, not perfect, and, and Hugh Freeze kind of alluded to that. And, and said, yeah, there were, there were some last-minute decisions that maybe uh, they were surprised about. And, and that safety I mentioned, K.J. Bolden, who flipped uh, from Florida State to Georgia, a lot of folks thought Auburn was the top contender should he have moved on from the Seminoles. Uh, but he stays in-state uh, with the Bulldogs in the end. You know, what's, what's crazy is he made a comment about staying up late and playing video games, and I'm disappointed in the journalists in our state because the obvious Follow-up question was, what were you playing, and were you any good at it? And, Which game? <laughs> right. That, that's the only thing I want to know. I'm assuming it was uh, Madden or 2K. Uh, that, that, that's the safe bet. But, look, I mean, these kids are big Call of Duty fans yeah. as well. So yeah. you never know. Hugh Freeze might be in there, you know, launching airstrikes. <laughs> so, John, should Florida Gator fans feel glad that, that Langway still held through with his commitment inside or that they lost so many uh, players yesterday and, and for the last week or so? Yeah, it's it's really depending on how you how you create that perception. At the top, I think look, DJ Lagway is the most important recruit, maybe in the Billy Napier era to this point. Um, is not only perceptionally, hey, a five-star quarterback, but also the fact that so many schools tried to circle back and grab this kid. USC and Lincoln Riley, Houston, Texas A&M, everybody kind of tried late because there were so many Florida prospects defecting. Uh, I think eight Florida commitments in the last month have moved on to, to other programs. But they did hold on to Lagway, and they did hold on to L.J. McCray, which was a, a really big get. Uh, Auburn, again, if, if he was going to move on, Auburn was probably going to be that school uh, that, that he signed with. So I thought that was a really big deal for Florida because, yeah, otherwise they lost several recruits. We mentioned Amaris Williams to Auburn. Isaiah Williams, a wide receiver, uh, ended up at Texas A&M. Uh, and then right before signing day, you know, the number two safety in the class, Xavier Philsame, uh, flipped to Texas. So it was it was sort of a, a downtrend for Florida going into signing day. So holding on to Lagway was going to be the bare minimum to hold that perception. But obviously everybody knows, both in recruiting and, and certainly on the field, Billy Napier is, is sort of on the clock. And that doesn't always help you on signing day. So I took a look at the top four teams in, in the college football playoff. Obviously, Alabama was two, Texas five. But what about Michigan at number 15? Would that be considered a, a good recruiting early signing period for Michigan, the fact that they were undefeated at number one? Yeah, because this, this is what they do. You know, Ohio State's going to win the, the Big Ten recruiting title just about every year. Uh, you know, year to year from that standpoint, because they're coming into the South and competing with Georgia and Alabama. And we mentioned them holding off, you know, Edric Houston. They also held on to the number one player in the country, Jeremiah Smith. So Ohio State's going to compete with 
Nick and Kirby um, and, and Dabo at the very top for recruits all over the country. Um, Michigan's going to be a little bit more regional and a little bit more niche with the, the prospects that they go after. So I think a top 15 finish, you, you added a couple guys on signing day there as well, is, is about all you could ask for from that standpoint. Because, look, despite being number one, uh, obviously there's a lot of question marks around that program, right? What is the, the status of Jim Harbaugh going forward? What is going to be the fallout, you know, from, from all these investigations? You know, there's still some uncertainty despite the, the undefeated record and, and obviously, you know, college football playoff berth for the, I believe, third straight year. All right, let me ask you this. I, I think there was, to me, a lot of flipping going on in the last week, especially yesterday. Do you think that has more to do with NIL money than anything else? Probably. Um, you know, it's, it's Nick said it. I think every coach probably mentioned it. Now, we, we interviewed several, you know, dozen coaches, and, and it's almost like they tried not to bring it up because everybody knows it's the elephant in the room. So, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. You know, like Nick said, hey, you know, some kids are just looking for a certain dollar amount. It's not every kid. You know, I know off the top of my head, you know, a Jeremiah Smith sticking with Ohio State, probably wasn't an NIL play. If he, if he went in that direction, it, it probably would have been Miami. I think for Bolden, I think Auburn would have been that school if, if it was more of an NIL play. So I do think that for the majority, that does factor in because, look, if you could change your life and your family's life, you got to consider it. But um, for every prospect, it's, it's their own process and principle. But there's no doubt NIL is, is a huge factor and, and definitely a part of, of all of these flips. Which team or teams made the biggest splash yesterday, in your opinion? Yeah, I think that's a good question. You know, I, I think you, it depends on how you view it. You know, I think going into it, you probably thought, Ohio State was going to lose one of those two elite prospects. So holding on to both I thought was was a splash in and of itself, even though it's not as uh, glamorous as adding prospects. I thought, you know, both Texas and Alabama, which which are, are going to be right in the thick of it uh, at the very top of the rankings, each uh, really trended up, each flipped recruits. Um, but, but nobody had a perfect day. You know, I, I, th- I thought even the teams that moved up, could have added another prospect or two. Um, and maybe Nebraska added the most. Um, they flipped Rayola before signing day, added several defensive backs uh, yesterday there uh, as well. So uh, they had a good day. They did flip a Miami recruit at linebacker in Vincent Shavers. So uh, maybe Nebraska, especially if you consider the week leading into signing day, is the hottest team in the country. Rivals recruiting coordinator John Garcia. Besides Florida, was there another program or two that kind of had not so good a day? Yeah, you know, uh, I think from a a high-level perspective, Florida State falling out of the top ten was pretty surprising. What we mentioned, uh, they lost K.J. Bolden, the number one safety in the country. They also lost a five-star defensive lineman in Armando Blunt who flipped – to Miami, so a rival uh, picked up uh, one of their commits at the 11th hour, even though that one was a little bit expected. But losing two five-stars and going from, I think, the number three or four class down to 11, pretty big blow on the National Signing Day for, for another undefeated you know, program that, that is fresh off of a championship victory. You, you would not have expected Florida State to be outside of, of that top 10 and Miami to be, you know, well above them at, at number four. So Miami closed very well. Florida State uh, did not in that regard. Uh, and then Colorado, 
Only five signees yesterday. Um, obviously, the portal is way more important for Coach Prime, um, but they did have some key cogs uh, at the high school level on board, and the best one, Jordan Seaton, the number one offensive tackle in the country, did not sign. <laughs> so everybody is circling back on him out of IMG Academy. So I think Colorado and Florida State maybe had the toughest days uh, in the country. My understanding is the five top players in the state of California and Southern Cal didn't get any of them. What's going on there? Yeah, a lot of transition there. You know, I think the the stability and, and transition into the Big Ten and kind of how the, the back half of 2023 went created a lot of question marks. Um, I don't know if Lincoln Riley is considered to be on the hot seat compared to, to a Billy Napier who we've talked about, uh, but certainly the perception in the last few months has shifted dramatically with that program. And, and I think one of the sort of under talked about elements for these recruits is watching the current roster. And if the current roster has a lot of departures and a lot of turnover, it, it creates less benefit of the doubt for that program. Uh, and USC has obviously had a huge exodus of, of really elite players across the board, even on offense, even at quarterback, as, as Lincoln Riley looks for another portal player to replace Caleb Williams. So I think that style, that culture is dangerous. Uh, because you, you're setting a precedent of, hey, this is a year-to-year thing. Um, so development, uh, high school recruiting, those things take a bit of a backseat to the transfer portal. And those are one of the cons uh, that kids really do look at. And, and that perception travels very quickly near National Signing Day. So I think USC had a rough day in that regard. Uh, I think Oregon flipped one of their recruits. Um, a lot of schools were looking to poach there at the 11th hour. And some of the uncommitted recruits that USC had a hat on the table for elected to go elsewhere. So, so right now they're down below Florida at number 21. And we talked about how rough of a day it was for the Gators. So, yeah, pretty surprising. USC has more commits than the Gators, uh, but yet sits behind them in the ranking. So pretty surprising to see that out west because uh, that is usually not the case. Hey, man, before we let you go, I'm curious because I know Nick Saban touched on this. He, he, he seems frustrated. I, we talked to Kane Womack last year at South Alabama who was preparing for a game. It was actually on the same day as signing day. How do you – there's been talk about this is no longer an event, right? Because it's not just like national signing day. They got the early signing period. It's, the calendar's all screwed up for coaches and teams preparing for bowls. Do you like it better this way overall? Is it better for the student athlete? Would you rather see it the way it used to be? I'm just curious to get your personal thoughts on that. Yeah, I think I think pre-transfer portal, it was more manageable than it is now. I talked to. Dave Dorn at NC State and Greg Schiano at Rutgers, and they both were like, "How long is this interview? Because I got to make calls." Yeah, and it was this was an evening interview, so I think the management of of the portal and how wide open it is does create such an extra heavy layer for really all these programs. Because even if you just want to go grab two or three guys, it's still a process. You have to compete for those guys. Uh, much less if you're Colorado and you want to grab you know, 20 portal guys every year, whole different ball game. So that with bowl prep and national signing day is, is certainly way too much. I, I actually, you know, for the first time in my career, kind of feel bad for some of these coaches in that regard. Um, so I do think that there's going to be change. And if there is change, it's going to be the high school calendar that gets tweaked the quickest. Uh, so maybe moving an early period to 
the summer before their senior season can allow maybe half of the recruits to officially end the process. Of course, there will be coaching changes, and some of those guys will back out of their letters of intent uh, naturally. But it won't be, you know, 85, 90% of the kids trying to get it done. It'd be, you know, 50%. So it'd be a little bit more load management um, because this time of year it's just a little bit uh, too much for, for pretty much everybody. And, and it's not over. I mean, some kids that are signing during the early signing period didn't sign yesterday, but they're going to look at it today or possibly tomorrow. So it's not even just, hey, a one-day thing. We right. get to midnight and we breathe a sigh of relief. It's, it's ongoing for many programs. So, yeah, I think that change has to come in that regard because of the portal, and I think it will come uh, with the high school kids first. John, before I let you go, of course, John Garcia with Rivals. Uh, I don't know how closely you follow the Sun Belt, but maybe a reaction to South Alabama's class. They brought in 17. Kane Walmack said it was a banner year. Any thoughts on their recruiting class? Yeah, absolutely. There, there were several recruits that they added uh, at the 11th hour, which was uh, really impressive because obviously there's a lot of movement going on for everybody. And I thought they held on to some recruits that – I know Power 5 schools were, were circling back on. Certainly the quarterback from, from uh, Mary G. Montgomery, uh, Jared Hollins, was one that I know Virginia was talking to, a couple other schools. So holding on there, I, I thought, was a really big deal and, and gives you a headlining recruit uh, there on top of it uh, as well. So not the biggest class, as you mentioned, but certainly some firepower and, and a lot of local representation on top of it, which is, again, if you're in Mobile, that's ideal. Like the, the moment – you know, Kane got that job. You got to address that. So to see him executed is is pretty cool. And then obviously, you know, the on-field success is is coming right along with it. So you understand why there's there's been a bit of an uptick there. Man, great stuff. I know it's been crazy for you. Uh, we always appreciate your time. Tell folks how they can uh, continue to follow all uh, recruiting news. Yeah, real simple. Rivals.com. Uh, check out the YouTube. There's uh, dozens of coach interviews and shows that we put together, and obviously uh, all the written content anyone can handle. Hey, man, have a great Christmas. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll be in touch. Thanks for having me, guys. You bet. All right, uh, that's John Garcia. We come back. We'll see if we can catch up with our buddy Roy Hudson. Paul Feinbaum will kick things off at 7 o'clock. Eli Golan, hour number two as well. Jim Nagy, Doug Kunkel, hour number three. We talked Alabama hoops. They fall on the road at Arizona. They couldn't throw it in the ocean if they were standing on a boat. One Alabama offensive lineman was arrested yesterday. He was a little too giving. We'll get into that. And, of course, early signing day is done. All of that in your phone calls. Coming up, it's the opening kickoff. Hey, this is Amari Cooper. You're listening to Sports Radio WNFP. Listen, last night it was, uh, there's some schools in this conference that uh, they, they, they believe in last night efforts. And, um, you know, you gotta you gotta fight, and you gotta hold on, and you gotta stay up all night and play video games and do stuff that's out of my comfort zone. And um, but you you just you know there was there was some late night pushes, and we won, held on some, and won one, and lost one, and. 
Yeah, 654, welcome in. That's Auburn coach uh, Hugh Freeze. I mean, I want to know, was he playing 2K? Was he playing Madden? Maybe he was playing a little Fortnite. You know, they keep bringing back the the older uh, Fortnite versions. I, probably okay. COD. All right, gamer. I'm just saying, right? I doubt he's out there playing Super Mario Brothers. What Maybe. do you think, Lee? Pac-Man? I'm just Donkey not Kong? as up on these games. I, I don't know Hugh Freeze that well to know what game really appeals well, to him. That's just Pong. it, though. He's not he's not playing the game that appeals to him. He's got to be playing these games that he's he rarely ever plays with some of these other these kids. Because the, if he's playing Madden or 2K, you, then you want to start knowing, like, what team you're playing with, who's your guy. That's where things get interesting. Speaking of interesting guys. <laughs> yeah, the, the tackle he got was uh, – he actually took away from Alabama and Florida, so that was a late-night deal he was talking about. We have uh, Roy. Yeah, I was talking go? about interesting oh, okay. guys. Roy is very interesting. Roy Hudson, Community Bank. Roy, what would you think of the Auburn recruiting class? I think it's about as good as an Auburn fan could have hoped for. I know that, uh, look, when you lose uh, two out of three five-stars and you still get one, that's a, that's a pretty good day of not knowing where those guys are going to go. And then, like you said last night, uh, the, the offensive tackle, when you have Alabama recruiting a tackle, it doesn't matter who it is at this point within Nick Saban's career, and, and you can land that gentleman, uh, that, that's a big pickup for Auburn, especially in an area of need. Is You don't have to go very far back to see that, Oliver ha I mean, uh, that Auburn hasn't been able to sign a uh, an offensive tackle here lately. So to get uh, three uh, highly rated offensive linemen is, is pretty good for Auburn. Let's take a look at the Christmas holidays as far as Community Bank, your hours of operation, what days are you closed, when are you open? Yeah, we're open today and tomorrow. Uh, we'll be closed Monday, obviously, for the holiday. So uh, we're open to help you, uh, all of our customers and any of your listeners that would like to come in and do some last-minute uh, financial stuff, open a deposit, look at a loan, whatever it is. So we invite them in. Uh, obviously, we have five locations now, Lee, across the, the coast here. And our number, if they want to set up an appointment, is 338-7707. So, okay, you're obviously closed Christmas Day. You reopen uh, Tuesday? That is correct. Open for business as usual on Tuesday. Very good, Roy. We appreciate you coming aboard. Wish you a very Merry Christmas, and thank you for being uh, one of our uh, major sponsors here on WNSP. Thank you, and Merry Christmas to, to the group there, Lee. I think that was to me. That was. I like you. I like you. You're part of the, part of the nice. group. Uh, you know what I'd like, though? I'd love to get one of them Christmas accounts at the bank where you don't actually – where you get the payout every year, but you don't have to actually, like, contribute. That'd be awesome. Christmas club? Yeah. I need one of them. Someone said uh, uh, Mark wakes up and instead of coffee, starts his day with Mountain Dew game fuel. That's, That's not true. true. That's not actually. No, you know what? Is. You know what I feed off of? Lee's energy. He just inspires me. Or maybe I just like talking NBA 2K and Madden. And Fortnite. And Fortnite. Lego Fortnite. <laughs> nah, we ain't doing the Lego Fortnite. For real, for real. See what I did there? Uh, Bet. Yeah, exactly. No cap. Uh, <laughs> Fine Mom and uh, Eli Golan, hour number two. Uh <clears throat> I'm debating on whether we should ask Feinbaum about Eli Elijah Pritchett. I'm not sure. Uh, might get Feinbaum out of his comfort zone a little bit. Elijah Pritchett was arrested for uh, knowingly transmitting an STD. We debated. Maybe we need to get David Green on and talk about how you can prove someone knowingly transmitted as opposed to unknowingly transmitted 
Can't you just kind of play dumb? How do you how do you prove that you know? I don't know. I mean, unless unless you have. Maybe he was in some type of group for people that are dealing with this. Oh, okay. <laughs> All I'm saying is I would not want to be the guy that had to break that news to Nick Saban the day after early signing period. On a day where he was already very frustrated by the fact that he had to answer questions about guys that aren't even on campus yet because he's trying to get ready for Michigan. Nick Saban, not a huge fan of the, uh, the recruiting calendar, that's for sure. And then you throw this on top. I know if I'm him, I know what some of the bull swag's going to be. 659, here comes Paul Feinbaum next, right here on the Sports Station WNSP. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. start out uh, with Paul Feinbaum in the 7 o'clock hour. Paul, of course, uh, the voice of the South, uh, ESPN, uh, SEC, radio, and uh, TV broadcaster, and a pleasure to have him on with us. And as Nick Saban, during his uh, press conference yesterday, said, look, we got a game going on with Alabama and Michigan. I, I don't want to just talk about recruiting, so we're going to talk about Alabama and Michigan. Paul, good morning. How are you today? Doing great, Lee. How's everybody? We're doing wonderful. We're going to start out with that. We're going to jump ahead, look ahead to the college football playoff, and get your first take on, not your first take, but on Alabama-Michigan. Things we ought to know, how you see this game playing out, and what do you see are the key elements of Alabama versus Michigan? Well, I think, Lee, it's uh, fairly easy to, to look at these two programs and, and laud both, but I, I think it comes down to speed, and I think... <laughs> I don't think there's any question Alabama is a much faster team. I'll never forget watching the uh, Michigan-Ohio State game and, and being in somewhat of a somewhat shocked uh, how slow everybody looked. Now, again, that, that's that's an illusion. I wasn't on the field, uh, but I have been on the field uh, countless times this year, including Alabama-Georgia, and it just seems to me that they play a, they play a different uh, style of ball in the South, and I think that's one reason why the national championships <laughs> continue to pile up in the SEC. Michigan's record, I guess, in these college football playoff games, not exactly uh, high caliber. Do you see them staying to this game down to the final quarter and making this a very close game? Yeah, I, mean, I think you have to look at it that way. Um, you know, there's a reason... Uh, I mean, this, this, I mean, let's not forget Michigan's favorite in the game. Uh, and, and I think there's a specific reason for that. Uh, <laughs> they have enormous talent. 
Uh, I mean, this is not like uh, this is not an accidental choice like last year in, in TCU. But even though I know uh, Michigan lost that game, this is a really good team. They just haven't played anybody, and I think that's ultimately where where I side. I mean, I'll, I'll leave it to you know the endless number of talking heads uh, on the networks to you know go down position by position. Even though I, I rarely believe that's where the game is decided, uh, I think it's decided on intangibles. And to me, the intangible for Alabama is what they've accomplished in their schedule. Uh, you can pick and choose, and you can you can focus on on Auburn, and you can or you can look at uh, every one of those close games for, from you know losing the Texas game uh, to you know being in deep trouble against Ole Miss to you know being on the ropes against A and M to being down 17-7 to to Tennessee to needing really. Uh, the Heisman Trophy, eventual Heisman Trophy winner to get knocked out of the game by Dallas Turner against LSU to the miracle uh, against Auburn and, and Georgia. I just gave you about seven or eight games. Michigan essentially played a two-game season, and that's not uh, that, that does not help you when you get into a game when suddenly you need a, a fourth and one, uh, you're short on timeouts, uh, the pressure is building, the, nothing but the national uh, championship race is on the line, and, and you start to feel it. I think we've seen that from Georgia two of the last three years in the SEC game. They just uh, they showed up. They'd barely been tested, and Alabama ha- had been tested and, and was able to prevail. So, Paul, to your point, and uh, I think you make some ex- great examples there, a lot of anti-SEC or Alabama people say, for all the reasons you just named, they shouldn't even be in this game, uh, whereas – People that cover this league understand how difficult it is to win those games. Yeah, I mean, I think I think those arguments are absurd. Uh, I was uh, I was a couple of days ago. I don't know. I was with a couple of Michigan writers uh, on a podcast because I was I was not that I really wanted to be on a podcast in Michigan, guys. I just I was more interested in, in their perspective, and I think they see it the same way we do. Uh, one of the writers happened to have covered Alabama, so he knows the difference, and. I think ultimately uh, that's really where, where the where the lines are drawn. I, I, I find all the conversation about uh, the CFP to be comical. Uh, you're not going to ever change my mind on the right team getting in. And I mean, I've been just not to get off the subject, but continue to be entertained by the uh, by the haphazard and sloppiness and the complete ineptness of the whole Florida State argument. Paul Feinbaum joining us on our special. Let me ask you this, and, and this I don't have an answer for. If Alabama gets in front, does Michigan have the type of offense? Because I know they, they did a lot of running the football late in the season, more so than passing. And I'm wondering if J.J. McCarthy and the passing game is enough to come back if they fall behind to the Crimson Tide. Yeah, I think that's really an easy answer, and the answer is no. Uh, Michigan – is not built. I mean, uh, I mean, Michigan is built to dominate, uh, much like Alabama has been in the past. Where, when Nick Saban got there in 2007, his goal was to to <laughs> to grind you down into submission, and, and and that's how he won a lot of games. It's a different it's a different football world now. That you don't you don't win. Uh, entirely up front. You you do have to win up front. And you know, anybody who wondered how Alabama beat Georgia in early December, uh, just check the line of scrimmage. Uh, you, but but that's all Michigan really has. I mean, they have a, they have a, 
you know, brawny running backs uh, by, the, by the dozens, and they have an outstanding quarterback, and they've got great defensive players. But I am always struck by, by how talented they are, how well they're developed, but how few of them there really are compared to Alabama. I mean, Alabama just every every signing day that we go through, you just you just see it again, and uh, that's, that's the strength of Alabama. It's it's not only really good coaching; it's uh, it's being tested, but ultimately, it is um, it is the speed of the team. Paul, I think when when national pundits, talking heads, whatever you want to call them, talk about this game, I, I feel like their only memory or their only point of reference for Jalen Milrow is that Texas game. Do you find that is that accurate and how different of a uh, of an offense is this from 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 that from that game? Well, it's dramatically different uh and we I uh Lee and Mark I I mean I was I was the first, one of the few who uh who just could not was in shock over at least I said it. A lot of you were probably. I was in shock over Tommy Reese. Um, he was he wasn't he was an absolute uh, disaster early on. But you know he he went into it with his mind made up who he wanted to be the quarterback. He got surprised. Uh, but but what he did though uh, deserves credit. I mean he he adjusted. Uh, it took him a long time, but he finally got it going. And but the key to this Alabama team uh, really wasn't Jaylen Milrow. I think it was the offensive line. They couldn't block in the, the first three or four weeks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was it was laughable, um, and everything Milrow did. Uh, I mean, I, I think people forget Milrow won the job. Um, I mean, I, I have uh, you know callers, you know, condemn me every day. How are you? You know, you dare to criticize Nick Saban. Well, you know, that's kind of part of what we do here, fellas. Um, say, you know, Saban pulled this thing off. He very easily couldn't have. Uh, I mean, it, it goes. It didn't happen last year. Um, he, he. I don't know. I, mean, I don't even think he rolled the dice. I mean, he. It just. He was able. He was fortunate that patience proved out. Uh, but you know, I've never been one, Mark, who, who believed there was a master plan for South Florida. I don't think they had any idea what they were doing. Um, I, I mean, I remember many, many years ago, Alabama had a quarterback. Who, and, and he uh, and he really wasn't that great, but he got hurt in the, in the second or third game of the season. The backup came in, and they ended up winning uh, the SEC championship. Uh, was that planned? No, but that's sports, and that's why you have a backup. If this... In this case, uh, the backup and the backup after that were so bad, uh, it wasn't a matter of, of proving everyone wrong. It was a matter of Nick Saban going, you know what? I don't care how much I didn't like Jalen Miller's performance against Texas. He's my quarterback. Paul, if this game comes down to coaching on the sidelines, who do you give the edge to, Jim Harbaugh or Nick Saban? Well, I'm assuming that's a serious question, but the answer is Nick Saban. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I have rarely – I mean, I, I know he's uh, – I mean, I know he's beaten Ryan Day. Well, he's beaten Ryan Day two out of the last three years. He wasn't in the game this year. But – uh, I haven't seen Jim Harbaugh match wits that often with another coach, um, and he certainly is. Now, now I, I, I think there is a danger here, and I'll, I'll offer this to contradict everything I've already said. I think there is a little bit too much of a assumption 
that Alabama just wins this game because it's Alabama and Nick Saban. That is not the way these games are won. Uh, I, I think, I mean, there's a specific reason Michigan remains the favorite. Uh, but I, I think if, you, if, you're, if you're playing the historical card, you have to go with Alabama. Uh, because I just have never – I mean, what do you base that on? You base it on postseason where Jim Harbaugh is terrible. You base it on uh, you know, Saban's track record in big games. Uh, I mean, these things just don't happen. I mean, there will be that moment, and maybe, it, maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's on this day that, that, that it goes the other way and we're all going, man, that was a surprise, and maybe we shouldn't. But that's just part of it. It's it's very difficult to go against Nick Saban. I mean, I think we've all maybe gone against Nick Saban. We can count the times on our hands, uh, but that that you're usually better off. Uh, but yeah, in, in a battle between these two coaches, uh, I'll take my chances with the guy that's done it versus the one that uh, has not. If Alabama wins, would you prefer to see them face Texas or Washington? Oh, I don't much care, but I'd probably rather see Texas just because I. I'd like to see that game again. I think uh, it's a, you know, it's a, from a, from a lot of from a lot of reasons. I thought I thought it was it turned out to be the most important game of the year in college football. It 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 got Texas in the playoffs, and it also got Alabama in the playoffs because it, it was such a good loss that they were able to survive. And if Alabama had lost to Tennessee. Uh, or at Texas A&M or against LSU, they would not have been able to get in. I mean, uh, Alabama losing to LSU would have kept them out because even probably even with the Georgia win because because Florida State had, would have beaten LSU, uh, and and that would have that would have given this uh, Brainiac committee uh, another reason to uh, to do whatever they wanted to do. But but ultimately, uh, I, I think that would be a fun game. I think it would be a I mean, just because Texas, I mean, I, I mean, I don't think we appreciate what Texas has accomplished. And, you know, somebody who's kind of on that front line of planning for next year about the SEC, it's already starting in my world. Uh, I think that would be really exciting. Well, and like the conspiracy theorists would say, that, that four-letter network that you work for, I mean, this is, this is a ratings thing, right? So, obviously, Alabama going to the West Coast in the Rose Bowl beating Michigan – they have to play Texas for the national championship and, and get that a revenge game. It's just it's a ratings bonanza. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, and, and besides, uh, I mean, I know. I mean, somebody told me, man, uh, you know, too bad we didn't get Washington and Alabama in the Rose Bowl because they played in 1925. You know what, guys? I really don't <laughs> care about that game in 1925. Do you? No. No, not at all. Hey, but I got to ask you before we uh, before we let you go, uh, how would you like to be the guy that puts the news on Nick Saban's desk today about Elijah Pritchett? The day after, you know, early signing day, preparing for Michigan, that Elijah Pritchett arrested for knowingly transmitting an STD. Well, <laughs> I, I, I know that guy, and you do too. Yeah. Uh, and he's pretty nervy on the best day of the year. So I can, uh, he would be, a, I mean, the people around Saban always walk with their hand over their eyes. Yeah. So, I, I mean, one thing about Nick Saban, I've been around him when good and bad news has arrived and he really isn't much different. Uh, 
He he's as uh, intimidating as you let him be. Fair enough. We'll leave it at that. Paul, great stuff as always, man. We really do appreciate it. And uh, Merry Christmas. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, hopefully. Merry Christmas, guys. Thank you so much. That is uh, Paul Feinbaum, ladies and gentlemen. All right. uh, Traffic and weather are next here on the sports station. Eli Gold's going to join us at 730. A reminder, if you miss Chris Stewart. That's right. We got an impromptu call from Chris Stewart. This morning, he was on his way home from the airport after Alabama uh, got back in from Arizona. Just search WNSP now. Find uh, find us wherever you fa- find your favorite podcast. Listen back to what he had to say about last night's game. We got plenty left here on a Thursday edition. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP. Hey there, this is Bob Baumauer, ex-jock, head fry cook, and I listen to 105.5 WNSP, Mobile, Alabama. Thanks for hanging with us on this Thursday edition. It's the opening kickoff, man. Mark Lee, Triple G in for the vacationing Bronner. Got a lot going on. Segment brought to you by Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks, your metal roofing headquarters. Do want to remind everybody we got Saints football tonight. Oh, yeah. I for taking on the Rams. We'll have the coverage beginning at 6 o'clock. Both teams are 7-7. Seven and seven. Mark, in the NFC, there are five teams at 7-7. Seven and seven. And while many think that the only way the Saints can reach the playoffs is to win the division, in which they're tied right now with Tampa, but Tampa's got the tiebreaker. Who they tied with? Made, I'm sorry? Who they, who they tied with? Who'd in first say? place. Yeah. With, with Tampa. You... With Tampa. And they play each other in two weeks. But tonight, there is that possibility if they could run the table – Maybe break through from this seven and seven. If they could get to ten and seven and not finish first, they could possibly get in as a wild card. So you got two teams seven and seven, both fighting for a postseason. Yeah, they're birth. gonna lose today. They're gonna lose today. If, if they won out and went ten and seven, wouldn't they win the division because they would then beat yes Tampa Bay? They would. Okay. Chris Olave is supposed to play tonight. For what it's worth, is Derek Carr gonna play? He's going to be in there. I don't know if he's going to play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd worry more about your quarterback with the Falcons yeah, than I would about Derek one? Carr, Desmond Ritter. The we don't have re- any of those on the roster. The one you said – let me see Let me see if I can get this right. The one you said at the beginning of the year, I'm riding with Ritter. Is that is that what you said? We crashed. Yes. Yeah. He, I'd be very <laughs> concerned about Ritter's had his uh, – Ups and downs, more downs lately. Who who's Crashed the backup again? And I ended up on my Heineke. Yeah, who's the box? Oh, Heineke, right. He's he's the uh, the newcomer, right? Heineke. Yes. Okay. It, the beautiful thing is, we kind of for those that don't remember, Nick and I kind of got into this a little bit at the beginning of the season, but neither one of us have real, uh, a real strong leg to stand on here. So, um, it's really the tallest short guy trying to get to the finish line at this point. I, d- I don't like the, the future, huh? I'm looking to the future. Yeah, well, it's bright future for us. Bright sure. future Falcons. BFF. Sure. Good stuff. <laughs> All right, uh, Eli Gold's going to join us. Jim Nagy at 8 o'clock. Doug Kunkel on the Jags at 8.30. We'll get your daily dose of fried deliciousness coming up in hour number three. Lee has already made it very clear yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Those trivia questions will be based on the movie Elf. 
the it, most popular Christmas movie in the state of Alabama, according to casinos.com. Number one, Elf. Yeah. Now, this is all based... Now, here's where I find fault in this. It's all based on Google searches. I haven't Googled a single Christmas movie all year. I have. To see when it's coming on? Oh, no. Just to get information on it. See who who uh, all the actors were. So, get, tell everybody what the surprise movie was. You and I agree To on me, that. the surprise is number five, Home Alone 2... Number eight is Home Alone. Usually the, the first one's the best one and the most popular. The sequel is ahead of the original. It's a Wonderful Life was number two, A Christmas Carol 3, The Grinch 4. I don't know, man. Hmm. I'm not buying it. I think they're skewed. No Christmas vacation in the top ten. Eh, no uh overrated. None of your Clark, Bruce Willis. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Your Bruce Willis movie didn't make it. My Bruce Willis movie. Iron Man 3 is a Christmas movie, too. Sure. So is Lethal Weapon. All right. Eli Gold. Okay, I don't know. You're asking the wrong person. I mean, you know, we try to be honest. We try to be upfront. Um, we try to sell people on the fact that they can create value in their brand, that we're going to make a great investment in them here personally, academically, and athletically. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that still buy into that. Um, I think name, image, and likeness uh, has, you know, maybe spread, you know, where guys go out um, because, you know, some guys are interested in how much money they can make. Um, so, and that's okay, but that that's – we're trying to invest in the players and their future so that they can create more value for their future. And 733, that's the voice of Alabama coach Nick Saban during his press conference yesterday. Welcome back into the opening kickoff. I can tell you this, as much as the man loves recruiting and knows how important and how, and, and how great he is at it, I felt like at the end of that press conference, he got a little frustrated, man. He's trying to prepare for Michigan. Uh, he kind of went on and started talking about the calendar, Lee, and and, and, and how it's just – it's how many different balls he's juggling right now. I mean, they all are, but it, it's – we talked about it earlier. It's, 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 it's not an easy time for coaches at all. Yeah, can you imagine if he was playing on the day of or the day after yeah. like a lot of coaches are in these bowl games. So he's got it no worse than anybody else. And, of course, that's what the uh, press conference was about because that's the way it was advertised, that uh, Nick's going to talk about his recruiting class. So I'm sure he knew that. Eli Gold joins us thanks to Dex Imaging, and we welcome the voice of the Crimson Tide. Good morning, Eli. Happy holidays. Good morning. How are you today? I am well. Happy holidays to you guys and to all of our listeners out there. Hope you're doing well. Did you stay up to watch the Alabama game last night against Arizona? I did not. Uh, I, I watched a, a few minutes of it. We got home. We went last night uh, to see the Trans-Siberian Orchestra uh, in Birmingham. And then I got, we did that for the matinee. Then we went to dinner. <clears throat> we went to dinner. Then we came back. And uh, at that point, I said, you know what? I'm going to call it a night, and I'll just read about it in the morning. And I'll tell you, it was disappointing to read coming that close and uh, not being able to pull off the win. Well, that's that's true. And they had those three tough games against top ten teams, all of them away from uh, 
the uh, Tuscaloosa Coleman Coliseum. So what, sure. do you, what do you make of the first 11 games, though? Do you get kind of a little down because Alabama is only 6-5, and five, or do you look at the fact that there still is a team in transition, they play some great, great teams, and uh, better luck ahead? Yeah, I'm, I'm not concerned. I mean, it's <laughs> – excuse me. I, I'm not terribly concerned. This is a team – very much like football, but with fewer numbers, they you know they restocked the NBA and they restocked the the uh, NBA G League. They had a lot of talent last year. Guys left, guys were recruited, they were drafted, what have you, and uh, you knew it was no way it was going to be like last year's team. So uh, I, I'm not uh, you know jumping off the the, the roof at all. Uh, it's it's disappointing in light of how close the team came to having a an absolutely magnificent year last year. It was darn close to that anyway, uh, but you knew that losing all the talent that they did, it was going to be a little um, a little rougher this year. But I, you know what I like I like the approach that Nate Oates coach Nate Oates is taking is to play the very best you know uh, some coaches say uh, to be the best you have to play the best others don't necessarily subscribe to that but Nate does and 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 you're going to learn you're going to learn more I think and again the next game I coach is going to be my first but I think that you're going to learn more by playing the very best competition that's out there and try and bring yourself up to their level. So, uh, no, it's disappointing. Yeah, you wish. Yeah, you want to. You want to win them all, obviously. But, uh, but no, I, I thought um, the approach they've taken this year has been a good one. I'll tell you what, there are very few coaches out there that would schedule like he did to go away from exactly. home against three teams that are in the top 10. Very few coaches have the guts to do that. So we'll see how it pans out later on. Any, uh, anything? And you, you know, it may come, you don't know. You don't know, but if, if Bama has a very good conference schedule and then they start matching up, you know, strength of schedules and who you played, and that's more, that seemingly is a, a very important factor when the committee gets together and we're all sitting around waiting to see uh, Greg Gumbel and the guys reveal the field. Uh, you never know when a, a loss on the road uh, to a, an Arizona uh, well, or a neutral site since they were in Phoenix, but still, uh, you know, you never know when that might just be the difference in making the, the, the postseason or uh, the difference in the seeding. So, you know, it, it's way too early to say, yeah, you want to win them, but uh, playing that kind of schedule can't hurt you either. Eli, I, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think you're kind of subscribed to the way I do on recruiting. I don't get overly excited about it. Half the kids yeah. that come in may not even be around in their second or third year. This stuff about winners and losers. But I will ask you this, based on the fact that Alabama right now is number two in the recruiting class, for those who think Nick Saban is slowing down and looking to get out, I, I, don't, uh, I don't buy into that. 
No, I, that's stupid. I mean, that's stupid. You know, yes, Kirby Smart had a great class, no question about it at Georgia, but Alabama's number two. Uh, number two will get you into the World Series. It'll get you into the college football playoffs. It'll get you into the NBA Finals. It'll get you into the Stanley Cup championship. Uh, number two is not the worst thing in the world when you're talking about 130-some-odd teams out there competing. So Nick Saban's not slowing down one iota. Uh, you know, it's, it's, he's had a great, great recruiting class. And, and like you said, I don't know all these kids. So I always have taken, I've always taken the approach if Nick Saban is happy, then I am happy. Uh, you know, if he recruited, and I've said it time and again, if you are offered a scholarship by Nick Saban to play in the SEC, you're good. You're good. How how good and what's going to happen and how many, you know, you, you concentrate on the offensive line and sometimes that's not as sexy of a situation as as it is elsewhere. But, no, he's he's not slowed down one iota, not at all. If Alabama beats Michigan in the Rose Bowl, who would you like to see them play, Texas or Washington, or you don't have a dog in the hunt? I don't have a dog in the hunt, but I, 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 I don't know. They always tell you how tough it is to beat one team uh, twice. And, of course, uh, you know, Alabama and Texas, well, that means Texas might have a tougher time beating Alabama a second time uh, in, a, in a given season. But I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I, I know that uh, the team that Alabama, excuse me, the team that Texas played in week two is not the team that they would be seeing now. I do know that much. So, uh, so I, 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 I don't have a dog in the hunt. I really don't care. I just want to see everybody at NRG Stadium in Houston to play for the championship. But, uh, you know, maybe a team that you've not seen before might be a good one. I don't know. It's, I just want to be there. For sure. I think you told us last week you're going to be doing the Birmingham Bowl radio-wise. Yes, I'm doing the radio uh, with um, it's what it's a group that's called the uh, Bowl Season Radio Network, and they have all the bowl games that ESPN Radio does not have. And uh, so, yes, we'll be on the air the day after tomorrow. Uh, it's an 11 o'clock kickoff, so it's an early day for uh, Troy, which of course is you know from our own state here, and the Duke Blue Devils. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it uh on that note uh, i bring in the fact that uh, obviously with uh getting ready for that game you probably had to use your dex imaging machine quite often oh yeah it's been humming along and as a matter of fact when i get off this interview now i'm getting right over down to the office and getting set to do some more work and the dex machine is going to be spitting out those papers again i don't like to work off of a computer screen i'm still kind of old-fashioned so i print stuff out and then transfer stuff to my chart and this that and the other getting ready for the broadcast so yes i will be relying heavily on my uh, 
index imaging copier, uh, scanner, all of that kind of stuff. Even, hey, you know what I did the other day was, it's been a while, but actually I should say my wife did it because uh, she was working it, but uh, we sent out a fax the other day. Haven't used the fax element to that machine, but uh, it worked beautifully just the other day. Folks, if you're looking for something that'll handle all that you need done in the office, make sure you contact the folks at Dex Imaging. There are other companies out there, there's no question, but Dex has the best selection at the very best prices. So check them out, if you will, D-E-X, Dex Imaging dot com and you'll see why every major company uses Dex because they've got what you need at a price you can afford. Appreciate it very much. Uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to you and your family, Eli. We'll check and in with you next week. And the same to you guys and to all of our listeners who've been so kind to tune in every Thursday morning. We'll see you again next week. But uh, have yourselves a very safe and enjoyable holiday. Very good. You know he mentioned Duke. And obviously, the the big story there was Riley Leonard leaving and going to Notre Dame. And uh, Riley uh, sent me a text. He's not doing any interviews now. He wants to wait until after New Year's uh, into the next year. But there was another player on that team that also transferred, Mark. Now, we haven't mentioned him, but his name is Dorian Mousey, who's a linebacker, four years on Duke, supposed to be pretty good. He entered the portal. He is one of the players that signed with Auburn yesterday. Uh, by the way, Eli, I thought he was going to give uh, – he kind of there at the end was talking about – and to to all, I thought he was going to give a, a good night there for a second. I thought he was all, all in the Christmas spirit there. Was, yeah, was going to see that orchestra yesterday. Probably got him into that spirit. Yeah. So Lee pulled a little information on the uh, top ten most popular Christmas movies in the state of Alabama, according to casinos.com. And this is based on a number of criteria, specifically, though, Google Trends and how much uh, each of these movies was actually being searched for. Elf was number one. It's a Wonderful Life, which Lee and I don't agree on much or see eye to eye on a whole lot of stuff, but we both neither one of us has seen that movie. And if I haven't seen it by now, I'm not going to. My guess is you're probably in the same boat. told you the guy I worked with before you were here. There's a lot about your personality. Guy I worked with before you came along gave me the what disc to watch it. I still haven't. I don't even know where it is anymore. I never watched it before you and I. That that was probably what is that laser disc? It was round. Might have been a VHS. VHS. It was DVD. in a little box and it was round. Okay. Uh, a Christmas Carol was number three. The Grinch was four. Home Alone 2, not Home Alone, but Home Alone 2, the fifth most popular. That's why I'm calling I'm, I'm calling Cap, as the kids say. People like Home Alone 2. Eh. New York City, Pigeon Lady, former yeah. U.S. president. It has it all. Right. Right. In a city of a million or plus people, he's going to run into the Joe Pesci again, who apparently is out of jail. After the Wet Bandits did their time. Was it the Wet Bandits or the Sticky Bandits? I think it was the Wet Bandits after number one. Remember, because I used to leave the faucet on. And Sticky yeah. was the second. Yeah. Okay. So, there you go. A Christmas Story was six. Bad Santa, seven. Home Alone, the original, comes in at eight. Still trying to figure out what Kevin's dad did for a living. Miracle on 34th Street, which I've never seen. 
I've seen that many times. In the Polar Express, which I feel is just a wee bit overrated in general. I agree. Well, that says a lot about your personality. <laughs> I can't I can't hear the damn bell whenever they shake I, it. I am surprised that this I don't get it. That movie's not in there. I really am. Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. It's not in there. That's it disqualifies th- this list. Whether you like or ha- whether you like that movie or not, the fact that Christmas Vacation is not in that list just kind of voids the list. I'm with you on that. Yeah. So what, when I saw that Christmas Carol was on the list, what is that the Jim Carrey? Yeah, is it doesn't specifically say. It's like the Grinch. I don't know specifically which version. Uh, it's sp- sp- uh, no Charlie Brown Christmas either. No Charlie Brown Christmas. Hmm. I know. Like all lists. Flawed. Flawed. Uh, coming up, uh, we're going to see if we can catch up with our, our good friend Rick True. Jim Nagy's going to kick things off at 8 o'clock. Doug Kunkel will uh, we'll talk some Jags at 8.30. Our daily dose of fried deliciousness. The trivia question subject, Elf. So jump up there on IMDb and be ready. Because we're going to do that over the next two days. And, of course, continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. It's the opening kickoff, Thursday edition, right here on the Sports Station, WNSP. Hi, this is Philip Rivers, football coach at St. Michael Catholic. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio. Wrapping up hour number two on a busy Thursday. Thanks for hanging with us. It's the opening kickoff. Our next guest is from Indiana. Big basketball fan. Rick True and Bachelor Service, our team of the day. Rick, uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Good morning. How are you today? Hold on here. I couldn't hear you. Something something, uh, came up. Say that again. Well, it was very simple. Merry Christmas and happy holidays, Rick and Bachelor Service, our team of the day. And I hope you heard the intro, the Hoosiers theme. I did hear that. Yeah, I heard that, and then I heard some kind of crazy music or something. I don't know what that was, but anyway. You got uh, it? Yeah, Merry Christmas to y'all, too. Your favorite, happy holidays. Your favorite college has it going well. Ole Miss, what are they, 11-0 and 0 now in basketball? They are. They are playing over in uh, Biloxi Saturday. I'm riding over there to see them play Southern Miss over in the Biloxi Coliseum Saturday. What about the recruiting class? Uh, we haven't talked much about Lane Kiffin's recruiting class. Uh, well, any, anything you can uh, clue us in there, how it went? I think uh, he he said it was the best best class he's had since he's been there. Um, he, he, he signed a bunch of kids from Mississippi. They were really, really strong on the defensive line this year. He signed uh, four defensive linemen from Mississippi, one five-star and three four-stars. I think they were ranked like 19th uh, in the country. And, of course, you know, SEC, about most of the SEC is in the top 25. So you got to do that just to stay up. And then, of course, his his, uh, portal, his portal thing, he's, he's Either him or Colorado are ranked one, one, two in the portal. He's getting, he's, he's loaded up big time there. So, 
Uh, real exciting. Did you see his response? He was asked a question about why Ole Miss is recruiting over Mississippi State when it comes to kids in state, and he said something to the effect that, well, we're trending up, and they're not. Well, yeah, yeah, he didn't quite say it that way. He just said – he said it. Uh, you know, it's nice that uh, it's fortunate that uh, one one team's trending one way and one team's trending the other way. <laughs> it was pretty obvious which team is trending which way. So it was typical Kiffin. You For know, sure. he's, he's pretty good about that stuff. Well, Rick, Bachelor Service is our team of the day. Tell us some of the uh, specials going on now and and why that you hope to bring on some new customers in 2024. Well, you know, that's we're always trying to bring on new customers. Really no no new specials, just our, still our tune-up special. What I'd really like to do, Lee, is just take this time to just really uh, just thank all of uh, all of those people listening that, that, we, that do business with bachelors and, and thank them for their loyalty and, and uh, also just to wish uh, everybody uh, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and, and uh and I, and and to thank you and you and Mark for you know y'all have been great partners for us here and uh, we appreciate that too. Rick, uh, vice versa with you. Thank you so much. You've been with us for many many years as our team of the day on Thursday, and uh, have a safe trip over to Biloxi. And the way things are going with Ole Miss, you probably will wind up with another win. Hope so. Hope so. Looking forward to it. Very good. Y'all Chris, have a merry Christmas. Chris Beard, getting it done. Thanks, Rick. All right, that's uh, Mr. Rick True from Bachelor Service. All right, so uh, hour number three, Jim Nagy, Doug Kunkel, and a chance for you to win a little Chick-fil-A. So uh, you got to hang around with us. Uh, meanwhile, we've been talking a lot about Alabama's loss at Arizona last night. Uh, for those that missed it, and my guess is most of you did, uh, Alabama just did not shoot very well. A bunch of turnovers. A uh, little, uh, little news out of Tuscaloosa that isn't signing day related. Elijah Pritchett arrested. And I don't say this next phrase very often, so you might want to listen. Arrested for knowingly transmitting an STD. Don't have any details. As much as I'd like to share some with you, because I think it would be um, entertaining and interesting, I just got got nothing for you. It happened last night. He posted bail. Uh, Saban has not been asked about it. I could only imagine what his reaction would have been had that happened, you know, 12 hours sooner, and he had to get up there during his press conference yesterday and be asked about that. I'm wondering if anybody would have asked him. Everyone would have been thinking about it. Corey would have asked him. Yeah, and he would have somehow (laughs) put a smile on his face as he did it. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure someone will ask about his availability for the bowl game and just leave it at that. I'm not even sure he was uh, having contemplating because don't forget he entered the portal and then he decided, I'm talking about Pritchard now, he decided to get out of the portal and, and stay with Alabama. She's had a very eventful had mind, week. If only he had that mindset in other areas of his life. Well, you wonder now if this incident had anything to do with that decision. Uh, I you don't know, know it's an underrated Christmas movie. <laughs> Sorry, we just took a. A U-turn here. I was getting nervous. Dynamite drop. Oh, you get nervous? <laughs> you didn't think I could? You didn't think I could go up to a line without crossing it? I don't know. Whenever you're like, man, if we had some more information, wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> you know. 
it got a reaction out of you. But go ahead. What? 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 what go ahead and give us your take on Christmas movies. As there. I am scrolling through this list, Just Friends, the Ryan Reynolds movie where he starts out really fat. I actually really like that one. You know what I'm talking about? Vaguely. Is that considered a Christmas movie? Yeah. Per this list <laughs> that I'm reading. Oh. <laughs> but that's a good one. What, do what you about, about Christmas that? with the Cranks? I'm not familiar with that movie. you never seen that, Lee? Not that. The other one you mentioned I did. Christmas with the Cranks? Yes. Did you like that one? Yes. But I don't know if I'd put it in the top ten, but I Ooh, did like it. Christmas with the Cranks, 5% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's yeah. about as low as you can go. Yeah, uh, but still, you liked it. It was all right. It was. I wouldn't watch it again. There's certain movies I would not watch again. That would be on the list. Elf is about the only movie, and then then and uh, Chevy Chase's uh, Christmas Vacation yeah. about the only two. What I really enjoyed watching yesterday during, I guess it was Elf, the commercial from the Home Alone. Was it uh, O'Hara, the actress who played the mom? Yeah. The commercial with Kevin Hart. I love that commercial. Yeah, no, those are, that those popped up what, like a couple of years ago. That yeah, was actually I love really that well commercial. done. Commercial, yeah. Kevin, where are you, Kevin? Yeah. And then you see Kevin Hart come out. Yeah, the uh, you know I, I said this yesterday in the app, and I stand by this. Bill Murray's Scrooged is actually a really good Christmas movie. Haven't it's seen it in a while. Highly underrated. I recommend it immensely. On this list, I'm having Paul Blart Mall Cop. Pop up is a Christmas movie. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going there. No, I mean entertaining, sure, but no, not 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 for the holidays. There you go. You got out of the segment without me saying anything that was going to make you uncomfortable. Who thought it was going to be Heim that made Triple G uncomfortable? It happens on a daily basis. Yeah. You mean the days where we see each other or don't see each other? But it's good to know you're listening to the opening kickoff, because I can assure you, Lee and I do not listen to the little drive. <laughs> That's not true. I pop in from time to time to see what you guys are talking about. I listen to the promos. Thanks, do have, Lee. Do you have a choice? I, we all, no, I, we all have choices. Yeah, I got a lot of uh, stations on my dial. I could switch, but I stay with the promos. We'll see what we have cooking this afternoon. Yeah, who's there? You'll be as surprised as we are. Uh, lethal Weapon and Bad Santa, according to our appers. Hard to argue those points. Hour number three is next. Jim Nagy. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Hine, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Here we Three on this Thursday edition. Time flies. We're having a good time, Lee. Having a great time, and it's going to get better now with uh, Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, because we're getting so close to Christmas, Jim. Good morning. First of all, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy holidays to you and your family and your entire staff. They're working hard. Yeah, Merry Christmas. 
Yeah, Merry Christmas, Lee. Okay, this is going to be, uh, again, to start out with stocking stuffers. We talk about tickets. Bring us up to date on that. How many are left? And I think I've been hearing this commercial that there's a discount now if you work, if you get them now before Christmas. Yeah, we've got a 10% discount on all seats. Um, so we did a we did a Black Friday deal before Thanksgiving. Uh, I think which I think we did a buy one get one on the general admission $15 seats. This is a 10% off any seat, which includes you know the club level, some of the more expensive seats. Um, so that's going to be running through Christmas Day. And if you go to the website um, and go go to the Senior Bowl homepage, um, you'll see the ticket link. It's pretty easy to see. And then uh, the, the the discount code is Holiday. So. Uh, yeah, we've got plenty left. We've got 5,000 seats left. Um, we've sold a bunch just this week. Um, and we've got some big announcements coming up for after these bowl games. We've got two big quarterback announcements that we can't push until they're done playing the bowl games. Um, and we think that's going to create quite a surge. So um, I would just encourage all the listeners to take advantage of this holiday promotion. So, so you can't push them, but what if we try to pull it from you? Does that count? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just a lot. See how weak I am. Just try it. See, how, <laughs> see if you can get it from me. Jim, I know you've been at, you've been on a lot of shows. I've heard you. You've been asked this question uh, countless times. But again, bring us since since fans are. That's the number one position, quarterback. Bring us up to date on where you stand with the quarterbacks that are coming, and even if you could refer the reference to, is there any possibility of getting any of those Heisman Trophy candidates into the game? Well, I'll say in terms of the Heisman candidates, the three guys that were in, in uh, New York, we have commitments from two of the three. I can't tell you what? which three, but we, we got two of the three. Um, we, they won't be named by name. And then the other three that we've had, we've had on board are Michael Pratt from Tulane, who's really taken that Tulane program to a different level the last couple of years. So we're excited to get Michael. We added one of his wide receivers the other day, Jaquan Jackson. Um South fans will remember Jaquan. Unfortunately, he 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 had a couple of big touchdowns against South in, in Week One, um, and then we've got Joe Milton from Tennessee, who could throw the ball from Hancock Whitney Stadium, probably across the bay to, to Daphne or Venice <laughs> Fort, if he wanted to, and then uh, and then Spencer Rattler, who's been a really a household name in college football now for about the last four or five years, uh, from South Carolina. So some good SEC flavor at the quarterback position this year. Joe Milton got a lot of attention and what you were talking about at the Manning camp and so forth. What kind of a year did he have for Tennessee? And where do you where do you look at him right now, let's say, in in the draft in April? Yeah, I think they won eight games. I mean, he had a pretty good year. Did he have the year that, you know, some people expected him to have? I think it was unrealistic. You know, I think a lot of people kind of projected – um, you know, there was a lot of comparisons to Anthony Richardson, the quarterback from Florida last year who went with the fourth overall pick to the Indianapolis Colts yeah, because of the size, because of the arm strength and athleticism. He did. He basically did the same thing Anthony Richardson did at the Manning camp. He launched the ball about 83 yards and then did a backflip. So um, he took a page out of, out of Anthony's book there. Um, so, I mean, I don't think he's going to be a top 10 draft pick. Um, certainly, I don't think that. But, but I don't see the guy falling, you know, much past the third round. I think he'll probably end up in that third or fourth round range because there's just so much to develop there, you know. And this was really, for a guy that's been in college football for five or six years, it was his first year as the guy. You know, he never he was at Michigan for three years, and he was never really the guy. Then he transfers to Tennessee, and he's behind Hendon Hooker, who was a really good player. 
Um, so this was his, this was his chance. I thought he played pretty well. Um, but you know what NFL teams are still going to hang their head on is that he's got things you can't coach. He's got rare arm strength and he's got size and, and uh, you'll be around him. You'll interview him during the week. I mean, he's got a ton of charisma as well. Um, so there's, there's definite leadership qualities to, to develop. And, you know, he's going to be a guy that a team's going to want to draft and, and maybe stock away for a couple of years and, and see what they have. But, uh, yeah, the arm is, the arm is must-see. I mean, if you, want to, if you want to see the most powerful arm you've probably seen, or at least locals have seen probably since Jamarcus Russell, um, it's probably this guy. It's probably Joe Milton. Let me ask you about uh, J.J. McCarthy. I mean, you're more familiar with him than we are. I've seen him a few times. Uh, everybody's familiar with Jalen Milrow in this state. Is is McCarthy a, a candidate for the senior role? He will be if he comes out. Yeah, this new junior rule allows him to play in the game. So, yeah, absolutely he will be. Um, I saw something on, on Twitter this morning. Randy Mueller, who is a former GM in the NFL, I know Randy worked for the Seahawks and the Saints and a couple other teams. He, he thinks J.J.'s got a chance to be – I don't know what the article said, a top 10 pick or a top five pick or something with a good college football playoff. Um, he is talented. Like if, if you just compare JJ with the other top quarterbacks in terms of athleticism and mobility, um, you know, he's up there with Jaden Daniels and, and, uh, and probably Caleb Williams. Those two guys, uh, he can really move around. He's a good athlete and he's got it. He's got a strong arm. You know, the curious thing is why they've taken the air out of the ball at Michigan. Um, I've been asked about Michigan's offense, and I was actually talking to Drew Henson, former Michigan quarterback, who I know you guys have had Drew on the show before. He and I were just talking about it. It's just weird how they've, it's weird what they've morphed into offensively at Michigan this year. I mean, they really only lost one starter, um, a receiver named Ronnie Bell, who was in the Senior Bowl last year and is, is like the fourth receiver for the 49ers right now and having a good rookie year. But just taking Ronnie Bell off that offense shouldn't have, shouldn't have affected um, them that much. I mean, they've really just become like this ball control, really vanilla offense this year, and they've got legit playmakers on that team. So, I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see what they look like. Maybe they come out in the playoff and and throw it all over the place. But JJ certainly has tools, and he's won a ton of games, and he's accurate. Um, it's just I don't know why they've used him the way they've used used him this year, especially since. Jim Harbaugh's on record saying that he thinks he's a, a future um, franchise quarterback in the NFL. I mean, usually you have a guy that you think is a franchise quarterback, you're, you're chucking it all over the place, and that just hasn't been the case at Michigan this year. Jim Nagy is the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Jim, I was looking through the commitments. There's one guy that intrigues me. I don't know if you've been asked much about him, and that's the North Carolina receiver, Tez Walker. He became very controversial, not because – of what he did, in a sense, what he did, but because when he transferred to North Carolina, he couldn't get a waiver. It created a lot of talk with Mac Brown, and I believe that's one of the states that filed a lawsuit, which went to the West Virginia uh, courts and has opened up this whole transfer portal thing. What what can you tell us about Walker and the few games he played? Yeah, Tez is a really talented guy, and you're right, Lee. Like, for the first month of the year, I mean, he was in the headlines quite a bit because the NCAA denied his, his transfer waiver, and he was he, – the transfer waiver was all around, you know, stemming from – he has a sick grandmother in the state of North Carolina, and he wanted to – he's very close to her, and he wanted to get home and be closer to her for, you know, his last year of college football. And uh, so that's why the NCAA took a lot of heat, you know, considering I know – you know, just locally here, um, you know, we kind of went through something similar, you know, back in the day with the, with the UMS fullback who, who went, Jay Prosh, who 
you know, had a hardship situation like that with his family, and he ended up transferring from Illinois back to Auburn to be closer closer to home. Um, so that was Ted's deal, and then he finally got on the field, I want to say, like early October, um, and had a monster year. I mean, he's long, he's fast, he's, he's – we did his tape over the summer. He was at Kent State University up in the MAC, um, and the talent was pretty obvious. So, you know, he was Drake May's number one guy this year. Drake May's going to be either the first or second quarterback taken in the draft this year. And Tez was his guy. So he'll have a really good week down here. I think he'll be a – probably be a top 75 pick somewhere in their second or third round um just because the size and speed i mean everyone's going to look for a guy like that so he'll definitely be one of you know he'll be a storyline follow through the draft process like his story will come out more more people will become familiar with Tez's story um so it'll be one of it'll be one of the talking points of the draft this year so jim as always we appreciate it but before you go i, I gotta i gotta do a little digging here wouldn't it be perfect there's a guy out there that that would just fit the profile for special spectators this year, right? Special spectators every year comes up with a really cool helmet that they 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 gift a senior bowler, right? A certain guy that maybe played at two schools through his college career that might be playing at the senior bowl. I just I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. You got anybody in mind? You're talking about the one with maybe like a tiger on one side and a duck on the other one? Is that, is that yeah. where you're going? You know, now that you mention it, I think that'd be perfect, don't you? That would be that would be a cool helmet to give away. That would certainly be a cool thing for special spectators to do. I, I go back to that Jalen Hurts one with the half Oklahoma, half Alabama, and it, I think that thing sold for like six thousand dollars. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, maybe you, maybe you need to get a hold of special spectators and see what they got going. Well, um, I, I, but that that would certainly that would certainly be a good one. Okay, I'm just saying. I mean, it's Christmas time. You can make a you can make a small miracle happen here, Jim. Right here on WNSP today. Well, the the Rydell Helmet Company is the one that has to make that happen. But uh, no, that would that would be that would be cool. That would be. If, 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 I know you're referring to Bo Nix for all the listeners. Yeah, if we could get Bo Nix in the Senior Bowl, bring a kid back, an Alabama kid back home, um, it'd be awesome. So we hope that happens. You mentioned you had about five thousand tickets left, and you also we hear the bobbleheads. Aren't there about five thousand bobbleheads available? There are exactly 5,000 bobbleheads. I mean, I might stash away a couple for the office, but maybe we'll go to the stadium with 4,995 of them or something. But, uh, yeah, there's going to be – and we tried to stay local. You know, we got Cornelius Bennett, Sean Alexander for the Tide fans, and DeMarcus Ware for all the Troy folks, and uh, and then Dan Marino and Aaron Donald, two of the all-time greats that ever played in this game, um, who are on our 75th anniversary team. So those will be the, the 5,000 bobbleheads. So first, first 5,000 through the gates – um, it's, it's too bad this isn't before Christmas. That'd be a cool Christmas gift to uh, to put in a stocking before Santa gets down the chimney. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. The bobblehead giveaway is going to be fun this year. Hey, Jim, thank you. WNSP guys, I tried. He's a tough nut to crack. I tried to pull it out of him. I couldn't do it. That's on me. Jim, well done, sir. <laughs> you, you, uh, you, you, you got through the interrogation. We appreciate it. Well, Merry Christmas, guys. We appreciate you having me on, talk about the Senior Bowl, and uh, just Merry Christmas to all the listeners. Yeah, man. Hey, thanks for the time. We appreciate it, and to you as well. Thanks, guys. Yep. All right, uh, scoreboard traffic and weather are next, and then you've been waiting all morning. I know y'all are driving around waiting for that shot at the uh, Daily Dose of Fried Deliciousness. It is coming your way with a question based on the state's favorite Christmas movie, according to a recent poll. Elf. What does Lee have in store for us? 
I don't even think Lee knows yet. Hang with us. Plenty left here on a Thursday edition. It's the opening kickoff. This is Jason Caffey. Thank you for listening to WNSP 105.5 FM. Chick-fil-A. I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. Ladies and gentlemen, the moment you've been waiting for. I present to you Lee Chervenier. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, Casino.com says Elf is the most popular Christmas movie in the state Wait, of was Alabama. That, was, was that your Elvis impersonation? No. It, it kind of no, made you very wasn't even, No, I wasn't even thinking about no. that. No, I can't do impersonations. No. Anyway, uh, this is, again, based on the movie Elf, and we'll continue through tomorrow with uh, Chick-fil-A giveaways. So before Buddy... Uh, left the North Pole, of course. He worked with the other elves and the sure. toys and so forth. Yeah. What toy does Buddy the Elf not like? Yeah. What was the toy that really just just he just didn't want, didn't care about? Yeah. All right, if you know the answer, uh, 694-1055. By the way, a little breaking news here this morning from The Athletic. As of about 20 minutes ago, Florida, Ska- Florida, Skate. Florida State has scheduled an emergency meeting, Lee, for its board of trustees for tomorrow morning. It's believed it's really the first like concrete step needed in an effort, allegedly, to enable the school to take kind of legal action against the ACC to challenge the whole grant of rights. I guess it would be the first, probably an exploration to see what it would take to get out of that conference. Yeah, and, and again, as we've talked about, I think they're locked in with this grant of rights through 2036, give or take. And by that, we mean it would be a, a, a pretty penny to get out of the yeah. league, uh, you know, based on the TV contract and everything like that that they would forfeit. So it's like, you know, they would have to uh, forfeit a lot of money probably wouldn't even be able to make up that money when they went into a new conference for a couple of years. But I don't remember how much it is, but that's what's kind of kept them binding to that league along with some of the other programs that we've heard about that might be thinking about leaving. We got a winner. We do. Randy. The toy was the Jack in the Box. Buddy's least favorite toy was the Jack in the Box. He described it as the toy that you crank and then it pops open. So I gave it to him. That's probably pretty. I mean, uh, how many different toys can you say that about? You crank it and it pops open. Mark, what time is this meeting tomorrow? Uh, Is this like an early morning? It it doesn't. uh, I think it says 9 a.m. Let me see. Would be 8 o'clock our time? Mm, It doesn't really say. Uh well, let's see if there's legs to this because the Board of Trustees has met before. It was a couple of months ago, and they were there were insinuations how outraged they were, and they wanted to get out of the conference, and all of a sudden that kind of died down. And, again, I don't know if it was because maybe attorneys said, look, uh, this is what you're facing. Maybe it's not such a good idea. And the conference probably interceded and said, you know, you're not doing us any favors by having meetings like this. Well, here's my other issue. Is there a worse time to have a meeting all year? Then the Friday before a long weekend because it's Christmas? Well, Who's running this, Ebenezer? Like, everybody in here, we got to talk about this. It can't wait. 
I don't know, man. I might I might call in sick. I might Corey Corey Labounty might not be the only one sick tomorrow. That's all, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. You know, when you're talking about Christmas and scheduling meetings, I ain't gonna be there. That's a terrible time to call a meeting. Sometimes a maybe a Christmas meeting there might be food there. Yeah, there better be a lot of food. And my in a Christmas how many gym. of the board of trustees are gonna go to the uh, Orange Bowl? For the Georgia Florida State game, or even basically Florida State fans, how they feel about it? They'll be outside the stadium, protesting, picketing, rioting. Yeah. <laughs> now they're gonna go out there. Look, Georgia better be prepared because Florida State's going there. They're going in to prove a point. You know, right now they're the the 65th team or however many we let into the tournament. They're in the others receiving votes, and they got a they got a point they want to make. Unfortunately, though, they're going to be minus a few key players, and they will use that excuse. Oh wait, no, that's what the committee's excuse was. My bad. Doug Kunkel is next. We'll talk some South Alabama recruiting. Maybe we'll even ask Doug what his favorite Christmas movie is. I don't know, or if he would schedule a meeting the Friday before Christmas. It's the opening kickoff. If- Thursday edition. The opening kickoff continues right here on the sports station WNSP. All right, let's check in with Doug Kunkel, the orchestrator of Jag Jungle, regarding South Alabama recruiting. Uh, They reeled in, uh, last I heard, 17. Uh, Kane Womack said it was a banner year. Doug, was this indeed a banner year recruiting at least at this point? Yeah, I would say so. I think they they got a lot of really good players in this group. Some of these guys are are underrated. Some guys, you know, had had SEC interests and offers. And uh, there's just there's just some really good guys in here. I think we're going to see hear a lot from them over the next couple of years. All right, can you get a little more definitive? Uh, well, let's start out with the local players because Kane has always said that he wants around five, at least five local players from the Gulf Coast. That's exactly what he's got, led by Jared Hollins. Uh, then, of course, Ty Goodwin out of Faith Academy, a defensive back, uh, Jerry and Graham, the receiver from Viger, Logan Jolenbeck from Foley Alignment, and Asher Hale from St. Paul's Alignment. Uh, let's just start with that group. Yeah, so the two linemen are, you know, like most linemen, they're developmental guys. I don't, I don't think they'll make an impact right away. The guy who... And I know quarterbacks are splashy, but the guy I'm really looking at to maybe make an, an instant impact is going to be Holland. And that's because, as you guys know, there is no returning starter. There's no returning player with significant experience to, at the quarterback position for South Alabama next year. They, they've got mostly Gio Lopez, who they really like, who did start a game against Troy, who got some snaps this year, got some experience, but he was a true freshman. Um, they've got, um, I'm blanking on the name, the kid who transferred from Utah State, he did not see the field. And they're going to have Jared Hollins, who's an early enrollee, so he's not going to be that much behind the other two. And he's a guy with a lot of talent. I, I'll be shocked if he doesn't get some snaps this year and maybe some significant playing time. And I think the guy with the most potential star power of them all, though, is Jerry and Graham. Because this is a guy who, you know, he's 6'2", 190, that's solid. And he's one of the fastest guys in the state of Alabama, which is rare at that size. So this is a guy who I think he, he's going to take some coaching. You know, he had to play quarterback his senior year at Viger, but he has experience at receiver. But I think he's going to have to be developed as a receiver. 
to harness these physical gifts of his. But when he does, I think he's going to be a guy that is really going to be impactful. And then, of course, they were really glad to get Ty Goodwill, who had been committed to Louisiana Lafayette for a long time. But they actually managed to, to flip him last week. And then Ty uh, you know, revealed that to the world yesterday as he signed with South Alabama. Who was the player that they flipped, I think, from Mississippi, from Mississippi State? They flipped a player to come to South? Yeah, I won't call it a flip because it really happened because of the coaching change. That's defensive end Tyler Carter out of Vicksburg. He's 6'6", 251. He was a basketball player, as you can imagine, until right before his junior year of high school. So this is a guy who's pretty new to football. But he was, a, he was not only selected to their state all-star game in Mississippi, he was the MVP of that. He had 10 tackles and two and a half sacks. This guy had, uh, had been committed to Mississippi State. They had a coaching change in November. He had already been kind of drifting apart. And South Alabama recruited him for a year. And when he committed to Mississippi State, they did not stop recruiting him. They stayed on him the whole time when he basically, I don't know if he was cut loose or because he just didn't feel the interest was there anymore. He became more or less a free agent. And South Alabama was, was there with that pre-existing relationship, and they convinced him to sign. And he's a guy who, again, may not be an impact guy as a freshman, although he is an early enrollee. Um, but he is a guy who I think we'll hear a lot from down the road. All right. I wanted to go into the case of Colin Lacey and, and from this angle, and I don't know if you have any more information to share with us. I'm curious of his transfer to Louisville. Was this strictly a money deal? Because the way I looked at it, if Colin came back next year, I mean, he caught like 91 passes this year. He's the main cog. It can only help him, you know, as far as, you know, coming back and being the main receiver or there was talk of him even entering the NFL draft, and there was some talk that if he did, he, he would go probably in the fifth round or something like that. So what was it that led him to go to Louisville? Well, I, there's obviously a whole bunch of factors involved. Number one is you don't have an established quarterback this coming year, so getting another 91 catches is probably going to be a little tough. But, uh, you know, on the flip side, in Louisville, he absolutely will not get that, that number because he was the receiving game for South Alabama last year. And he's just not going to get that same volume, I think, anywhere else. Um, and look, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I've heard he's making six digits to go to play that one year at Louisville. So I, in my mind, his best move might have been to go ahead and, because I, I believe he could have gotten a spot in the Senior Bowl, would have been to play in the Senior Bowl and get drafted. And he could have gone maybe as high as third, but probably fourth or fifth is realistic, but get that pro career started right away. But he is going to make some money this year, from what I understand. He'll get a chance to perform on the ACC level. Uh, as a guy who is good at doing punt and kick returns, you, you know he's going to see the ball every game, even if they're not throwing it to him at the same level he got at South Alabama. So it, it's, it's not a bad move. It's certainly a move with some immediate gratification thanks to the money. Um, and, you know, we'll have, just have to wait and see if it, uh, it changes his draft status, good or bad or, or indifferent after this coming season. All right, so where does South Alabama go now with recruiting? What needs do they need to fill? What positions need to be filled? And I know Kane will certainly, you know, take a long look at the transfer portal. Sure. It, you know, every position I'm going to name right now is, a, is an either-or. Uh, if they can find a, a, a good high school or junior college player or a portal guy. Um, I think they would like to get a tight end. Uh, they they didn't really get they got they got one this year in Will Lorzel who by the way I, I say this every chance I get his dad and Drew Brees are really good friends they played college football together and they are business partners in a couple of different businesses so you can expect Drew Brees I think to show up some South Alabama games in the coming years nice. but they do I'm sorry go ahead oh no I was just I was saying nice 
Yeah, for you guys it is. As you know, my loyalty is not lie with the same. But I know you guys love it, so you'll enjoy. Um, uh, anyway, so tight end is going to be a good spot. I think they would like one more offensive lineman, uh, and that's probably more of a portal thing. I think they like someone to come in and compete at tackle or, or one of the interior positions as well. Um, and I, I think they're going to look for a quarterback in the portal as well. I, I think trying to get some experience at that position is a bit of a priority. I don't think they'd be really brokenhearted if they went in with the three guys that I mentioned earlier. I think they can make that work. But I think bringing in someone to compete with them who has really extensive experience on one level of football is something they would like to have. And then, you know, sort of a you'll always take this guy kind of a situation. You'll always take a pass rusher. If you can find someone who can rush the passer who is out there somewhere, you'll bring that guy in because because you just can't get enough sacks in today's college football. With Webb gone, don't they need another running back? Yeah, that's a good point, Lee. Um, you know, they did lose uh, Jamari McClure. Ended up going to Hugh, uh, sorry to Tulane. Easy to get Tulane and Houston confused right now. They have a lot of commonality. Um, he went there, and that was a bit of a loss. They are, I know he didn't sign yesterday, but I think we can expect to see uh, Fluffy Bothwell added to this class. They'd probably like to get one more running back. They're going to be choosy, though. They're, they won't just take a running back body. It would have to be someone they really believe can come in and, and make an impact pretty quickly. Because I think between Braylon McReynolds and, and they got Bullock there, who played a lot last year until he got injured, and he's going to be healthy. They got two running backs they signed last year, and uh, Patrick Martin and... Um, Oh, boy. You know, names escape me better than they should these days, guys. Anyway, then they got Bothell. They got five scholarship running backs. So I, I believe they're, they'll be okay there. Again, if, if somebody's on the radar that looks like they could be a, a difference maker, then they'll take them. But I don't think they'll go and take just anybody. Does South Alabama get its first bowl win this Saturday against Eastern Michigan? I'll be very surprised if they don't. Now, I know we don't know if Carter Bradley can play. And I we're pretty sure that Ladini Webb is not going to play as he gets ready for the NFL draft and he's getting over an injury. And Colin Lacey's not there anymore. But Eastern Michigan's quarterback is in the portal. Their best pass rusher went in the portal. Their best offensive lineman went in the portal. Their best interior defensive lineman went in the portal. Their top running back, who's really good, is injured and may not play. So all things being equal, let's go ahead and let's say the, rule those two out. I think South was the better team to begin with, and I think they're even better after the losses both teams are about to suffer. Wouldn't that be some if South Alabama gets one of those uh, Eastern Michigan guys in the portal to come down here? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like the thing in football where you'd, you'd sign a street-free agent before an NFL game just to get the, the game plan from the other team or at least get a look at their playbook. Yeah, it might be something they should have done this week. Doug, always appreciate it. Not sure why you're not a big Drew Brees fan, but that sounds like another uh, conversation for another time. Now, wait a minute. You're going to ask him it's a couple. He's short. He's short. He's too short to play quarterback. Everyone knows that. Uh, do you want to uh, – that's the only reason? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the only thing. I, you know, you, you don't, I don't want no short people around me. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Uh, you want to chime in on our unofficial poll question, favorite, worst, best best Christmas movie, worst Christmas movie? According to a, a recent study by Casinos.com, which clearly is the foremost authority on all Christmas movies, in the state of Alabama, Elf is the most popular. Uh, Christmas Vacation does not make the top ten. I, I, you know, I got to admit, I don't feel Elf. It's never been a movie that I that really got. I mean, like, and I, I know it's so common. If you don't say it's a wonderful life, something's wrong with you. It's the best, maybe one of the best movies ever made, not to mention it's a Christmas movie. Um, and the worst Christmas movie, I'm sure there's been some terrible ones out there that I just never bothered to watch. Um, I don't know. I'm going to do, like, I'm just going to give you the top two. It's, it's 
wonderful life slash die hard, die on that hill is what I will do. Those, those are the two best. There's no doubt about it. One out of two is not bad. And we know how, why you feel the way you do about Elf. You just got finished saying you don't like short people. So, Will Ferrell's like 6'3". But Come on, not, that can't be it. What about the South Pole Elf that made a debut there, right? Jumped up on the, on the conference table and attacked him. Oh, yeah, that little short actor dude, whatever his name may be. Yeah. Um, no, that, that, that didn't turn me off from Elf. I don't know. You know, I guess it's just Will Ferrell is a guy that on some days you can love him, on other days you don't because he's the same guy in every movie. <laughs> yeah. and, and it just, it just didn't, didn't get me the few times I've seen Elf, and it's on way too much now. Fair enough. Uh, hey, have a Merry Christmas. Tell folks how they can continue to follow your coverage of all things South Alabama. You can hit me up at jagsjungle.com. I'm also on Twitter at Doug Conkle, so you can keep an eye on me there, too. All right, man. Have a great weekend. We appreciate everything and always having some time for us. Uh, we'll talk to you All soon. right, guys. Yep. Take care. Happy holidays. You too. All right, bye-bye. That's uh, Doug Conkle, ladies and gentlemen. One final segment. We will uh, close up shop, give you a sneak peek into a Friday show. So he, he saved himself with that uh, with that uh, movie reference. I mean, I'll give him a It's a Wonderful Life. He threw yeah, Die Hard up there. Y'all really let that one go, how he kind of called out, you know, It's a Wonderful Life, best movie, how can you not have seen it? And then just a few segments ago, you both were talking about how you didn't get it and you haven't seen it. Yeah. Hmm. I, didn't know, I didn't know if it was worth his well, time. Well, at least you were listening. It's a good point. Well, he perked up because somebody finally agreed with him. By the way, while we're talking about Christmas movies, Die Hard 2? A little underappreciated as well. Just throwing it out there. Nick is, like, trying to figure out which one that one was about. All right, final segment. Stay with us. This is Richie Riley, the head men's basketball coach of South Alabama. There's nothing better than listening to WNSP Sports Radio, 105.5 FM. song into the into the log i'm thinking it might be i too. do yeah if you want to if you want to get me a christmas present how about some eagle tickets to the smoothie center february 17th i can get you maybe a, a third of a ticket that's about what we were thinking too yeah. after we found out what the prices were my gosh price is no object for a man like you lee shervanian i know you is, try to play it off it is in this case no uh, no yeah. no Let's see. We we priced it the if you went to the last row at the smoothie center, which aren't bad seats, I might add. One sixty five. It drops down to three hundred, four hundred, five hundred. Just to go to a concert, let's say for two people, you're looking at well over a thousand dollars. Now I granted it's not like Taylor Swift concerts, but it's not like the Eagles are brand new. So would you be more willing to pay $165 for Eagles tickets or Taylor no. Swift tickets? Oh, for Eagle tickets, easily. But to your point, I that don't would know be about a better deal. Taylor Swift has, is a great entertainer. She's done very well, but I just don't know enough about her music. Yeah, you can study up. Go Maybe to, you need go to, to start playing some Taylor Swift songs to close out the show. You do it on your show this afternoon. How's that? Add I like pizza, it. Add some pizzazz. 
Nah, we're actually just going to play every song that we played this morning and have every guest on this morning. Good. That, that, that'd be an improvement. Wow! Shots just, fired! I'm just going to start copying uh, your rundown and just throw that on well, the afternoon and let it ride. Uh, does that mean we have to take George Teague in the morning? Yeah, actually, I like George. He's a great guy, and you're very lucky to have him on. Thanks. I count my blessings every no, day. No, he is. He's he's a terrific guy. We, you know, I've had conversations with him before. Who else do you have on this afternoon? Man, I'll be honest know. with you, Lee. I'm not really sure. <laughs> Anything on the Saints and uh, Rams today? Yeah, We're definitely going to be breaking down that game. That's a big game. It is. Both teams 7-7 seven and seven for sure. And we've had a couple stinkers on Thursday night. Oh, so. we had a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, well, there was one that was really good. You know, you know who's taking the abuse on these games is Al Michaels, because they say he just can't get enthused about some of these games. They've been so pathetic. But there was one that just recently, and I forgot the teams. They all run together, but they had a great game. Uh, was it about a week or two ago on Thursday night football for once? Yeah, Cowboys Seahawks. I that think. that was a very very good game. But the Saints Rams. I hope it's a good game. I hope my prime stays with me and doesn't go prime, in and out. Prime should embrace this. They should do the opposite of what everybody else is doing. You know how we flex good games? Flex bad games to prime. And I would promote it as, like, the laughing stock of the week. Check out the anarchy. And then and then instead of Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit, just get a couple guys that are just going to bash the teams all game. Just throw, like, Kevin Hart in there? Yes, that's exactly who I was thinking of, actually. Get Kevin Hart. Uh, just get guys that know very little about football and just make fun of the two teams. Well, speaking about the NFL, one of the interesting stories I read this morning was a, I, I forgot who it was. Uh, it was a writer, I think, for USA Today who really took – I'm not going to say took uh, Aaron Rodgers to task, but basically said this guy is a really self-promoter. No way did she think that he was going to ever play. This year, because nobody ever comes back from an Achilles, which I thought, too, that'd be like it'd be almost impossible. But that all he did was promote himself that, yeah, I'm thinking about coming back. I'm going to be ready and this and that leading everybody to believe that if the if there was an opportunity and he was working out and she said it was all a bluff, a, a promotional bluff just to keep his name out there. Apparently, that doesn't do anything for either of you. Well, I mean. Did we, did do we not know that beforehand that he was nothing but so? I believe there's a lot of people who really thought he was going to come back and play if the Jets were in contention. But I think everybody's reaction was, "There's no way that dude's coming back from a." That's the way I thought. I'd be impossible. Right. So even if you didn't know, you felt like Aaron Rodgers was full of crap, and now we know he is. And he gets paid how much to talk about that on the McAfee show? Six figures. To promote himself. Chump change. Bet he's going to the Eagles, Lee. I doubt it. I bet he... You six-figure guys. But would he go to the Taylor yeah. Swift concert if, Tra if uh, Travis invited him? Yes. Didn't... Wasn't he... he wasn't he Taylor at Swift. one? Yeah. I think he was at one and was, like, dancing and the whole thing. But it was pre, this after they kill it? Oh, yeah, pre-injury. It was right. pre-injury or post-injury that dude was swaying to the pre -season. music? Pre-season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, so, yeah. You know. Lee, you got to get the Eagles tickets, man. You only live once. We talked about it. We had a long conversation, but as the prices, I've seen them already there. So it's, it's only, not it's like if it, was, if it was the first time, yes, but second time, I would have really liked to have seen them when Glenn, Glenn Fry was alive because he was like the main guy. Mm. 
What's your I favorite? went and saw Queen in New Orleans one time. Nice. Recently? Uh, maybe like three years ago. Maybe four. That's a nice venue for concerts. Huh. Yeah, I thought it was okay. Just okay? Well, you're sitting up there, and you kind of start to look around. Like, huh, I'm, I'm, uh, this is, the age demographic here is different than me. And then the concert starts, and you're like, okay, these are just, you know, a couple 60, 70-year-old guys playing music. I guess, I don't know what I was expecting, but. It was at the Smoothie Center, though. Yeah, yes. Maybe it wasn't, actually. Maybe it was in, like, a theater. Oh. Maybe it was in co- one of them cover bands. Someone just hoodwinked you into thinking it was really Queen. Well, they had that guy that was on American Idol singing the songs because, as we all know, Freddie Mercury, the lead singer of Queen, passed away. Uh, yeah, I know. I saw the movie. <laughs> 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 so what, is it Adam Lambert? Yeah. Nice. Okay. He did an okay job. Best concert you ever went to, Lee? Springsteen. Three and a half hours, nonstop, no warm up back. Did you have total? To, did you need a break? He didn't. Did you? No. Just you didn't get up bathroom, once. No nope. food. No, no drink, bathroom. No nope. running to get your snacks. Absolutely nothing. Not. Wow. Total. Uh, stand up, cheer, clap. They really? Are, they are. You talk about energy. Wow. Yeah. I, I feel like maybe I'm letting you down over here, taking man. Taking him to church. <laughs> I have never seen anything like that. Well, what is he, I'm sure you've talked to your sister about it, right? Yeah. She goes all the time, well, yeah. more than I have, only been one time. That was worth it. I don't even know, because that was given to me as a gift, so I don't even know what the price was, but I can tell you I've never seen a concert like that where you didn't have a warm-up act. You know, even the Eagles, I, the first time I, the only time I saw them at the uh, Smoothie Center, they did the whole concert. This time, Steely Dan is going to. All right, so let me ask you this. If you could see Springsteen for 165 a ticket. Absolutely. Oh, yes. I don't think, I don't think the smoothie center could. You might even bring Miss Barber to that one. She had an opportunity. No, she did say she'd go to the Eagles with me, but I don't. She she turned down the invite to go to the Springsteen when I went to that. Remember, I took mm. the day off and went up to Atlanta. Ah, uh, those were the days. Yes. Oh, you're taking a day next week. I am. That's my Christmas present to you, so you can just wail away for three hours on movies. No, we're going to hit a lot of topics. Sure you are. I'm going to get Dan Jennings on. TV shows. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your favorite movies of all time. Yes, you can do that. And, uh, I'm going to get all your favorite guests on when you're going. I bet you won't get one. Let's just get well, Chris is load on. the show You'll down with Chris guests Stewart. that all just know Lee personally. Yeah. And we'll just find out some interesting stories we'll about his, Lee. His, his son, his daughters, mm-hmm. his, yep. his wife, his brother. Yep. Up there in New Jersey. That's right. Former neighbor, maybe. Current neighbor. <laughs> yeah, former <laughs> current. <laughs> We're gonna scour the neighborhood. We'll we'll get we'll get to know the real Lee Shervanian. I would think by now you'd know the real Lee Shervanian. We've worked together, what nine years now? I think that's just the first. I mean, that's the second stint. I think. Well, I'm we, total. The total time together. I don't know. I'll have to. You know what? We should find out. We've at the been end of the together show. longer than many marriages. Let me tell you. Maybe maybe we need to do a quiz, a Lee Shervanian quiz, and we'll give it to Mark, and he should at least get a 70%, right? I would think so, but I'm a very un- un- off the air, very uninteresting. There's not much there. And on air, you're any different? Y- yes. No, I'm <laughs> not. Very <laughs> uninteresting. You're, uh, you kind of walked right into that one. Yes, I did. 
There's right. not much you're going to find out because basically we do our show together. Indeed. I prep at home. You do. I don't go out much at night. You don't. <laughs> I stay in. All right, lock Mark, in. When, when is Lee's birthday? I don't know. Can't Mark remember. knows, though. Y'all been no, together nine years. He doesn't just for even bragging know. He does it. not know. He's never once come on, Mark. come on the air and said happy birthday. That's like the base level question. <laughs> the most base <laughs> level. But I tell you, but in my defense now, oh, he you doesn't really like know? to talk about his birthday. Nope. See, he, that I do know. He doesn't like it when, it, nope. when I do find out it's his birthday. I can't remember when that was. <laughs> yeah. But he doesn't want me to make a big deal about it on the air. Absolutely wow. not. I'm not into birthdays. See? It's just a number. See, the fact that I know that he doesn't like birthdays tells you everything you need to know. That I've been doing this with him I, too long. I oh, am married oh. to a person who pretty much her birthday goes on for weeks. And that's good enough for me. And what month do those weeks take place in, September. Mark? Oh, you mean oh. <laughs> I was going to say September. I'm sure you were. Sometimes it bleeds into October, but not <laughs> always. <laughs> yeah, it runs over. <laughs> All right, we appreciate you guys being around. We'll be doing it tomorrow, March 17th. For what? I guess not. Somebody in the app just sort of date out there. <laughs> we got to run. That See ya. Is that the St. Paddy's Day? March 17th. Can we go, please?